What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We had on the program a very good friend of Two White Lights, my coach, Joe Stanek, and we talked about his candidacy to be the USAPL athlete rep. Me, Steve, and Joe had a great conversation about this, and really we needed Joe to come on to explain to us why this athlete rep is important. And what he is going to do in this role because me and Steve really didn't know exactly what the responsibilities are and Joe explains that to us very, very well and we know that if we didn't know it, not a lot of the listeners knew exactly what the responsibilities were. So he explains it all to us, why it's important, how it could help, how it could kind of alleviate some of the issues USAPL higher-ups are having with the athletes. He talked all about that. We also get into a little discussion about the IPF and the USAPL. Uh, USAPL took the IPF to court for not recognizing the record set at the Arnold. So we got into a great conversation about that. Joe is fantastic with that kind of stuff. So we talk about that. And he gives a coacher rating. Me and Steve are very proud that uh, we were able to do that because it was in a completely improvised sketch that we came up with criteria on the spot. Very fun conversation with Joe. We always love having him on the program. And also, we get into our Texas Strength Classic preview. That is going to happen February 27th. Primetime session. We love primetime sessions, so we got to talk about them. And there are a lot of storylines. We couldn't get to all the lifters, but the main storylines we tried to cover, such as Sean Noriega possibly going for an American record total, and the unofficial world record total, Ashton Rowska, whenever that guy competes, you it's much watch TV. So we talk a little about a little bit about that. The teen sensations with Aiden Raider, Alex Lucklow, and Alex Sidor. And uh, something that a lot a lot of people knew, Gregory Johnson, one of my favorite deadlifters to watch going on in 93. Me and Steve explained why that could have some major implications, along with all the potential records that could be broken at the Texas Strength Classic. We're excited for that meet that is going to happen next week, and this is the preview show to kind of get you ready for that one. But before we get into all that, got to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Not only are they sponsoring the Texas Strength Classic, they are a proud sponsor of Two White Lights, they're a proud sponsor of Jesus Oliveras, Abby Poston, and Angelo Fortino, and they help the powerlifting community. They try to uplift this community by giving you some of the best merchandise you are going to get on the market each and every one of their designs relates to strength sports or powerlifting in some way and you guys got to go on their instagram to check out some of the designs you are going to see the leflar bro family wear the merch and make it look pretty and i'm telling you guys you want to go on the website and check out what they have to sell because i'm loving what i see so far the cotton candy design that they're going out with right now is extremely popular. I love it, and it, it's one of my favorite designs that they have. And also, you can get Two White Lights merchandise on leftlarbros.com. That's right, Two White Lights merchandise is only available on leftlarbros.com. So the Fight Night tee, the original tee, the dad hat, the banners, all of it's on leftlarbros.com. And use promo code 2WL15, and you can save 15% off of all Leflar Bros merchandise and... All Two White Lights merchandise as well. Use that promo code 2WL15, one of the best discount codes in all powerlifting, to save yourself some money. And make sure you follow them on Instagram as well. Also, head to Rivalist.net and get some informed choice supplements. 
that check mark on the pre-workout branching amino acid protein, whatever you're putting in your body, is important. You will not fail a drug test if it has that informed choice label on it. USAPL lifters, that's important. So make sure you are going on Rivalist, getting yourself some informed choice supplements, and use promo code ANGELO15 to get 15% off of your order. Remember, ANGELO15, get 15% off of your informed choice supplements. Also, go to lift.net and get yourself some stoic gear. Use promo code ANGELO10 and get 10% off of knee sleeves, wrist straps, singlets, belts, you name it. Use promo code ANGELO10 and you will save yourself some money. Remember, they got the white label, the black label, the olive drab, the original logo. All of it's going to be on lift.net. Get yourself some stoic gear and get on Notorious Lift. Make sure you're following the Instagram and make sure you are following that newsletter. They are coming out with so many drops, I can't even explain it. No slip drip is a real thing. The best deadlift slippers on the planet. And not only are you going to help your performance, you're going to look good deadlifting too. And that's like 90% of it is looking good. The designs they are coming out with are fast and they are furious. And remember, they just don't sell these things on the website. You can't just go on there and buy whatever you want. you got to look out for those drops. So make sure you are looking out for those drops because you do not want to miss out on some of these designs. I'm telling you, with the designs they're coming out with now, you're going to want to get your hands on some of these. It, these color schemes are going to resonate with you in some way. So make sure you are on Notorious Lift, checking out the Instagram page, and signing up for that newsletter. Also. Make sure to follow on Spotify, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You guys, we need those. Those are important for us. Apple Podcasts, five-star rating and leave a review. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. It is Thursday, February 18th, and I am joined by Steve DeNovi. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Yeah, yeah, we, we are doing great, and you know what? We had Joe Sanic on the show to discuss his candidacy, if you will, for the USAPL athlete rep, and we had a really great conversation with him. He talked about a lot of issues that he has with the USAPL, some of the issues he's going to address, some of the things that he wants the executive board to hear, and we also talk a little bit more about this uh, IPF taking the US or the USAPL taking the IPF court based on their decision not to recognize records at the Arnold. And we did a really great thing. We did a coaching rating. I loved it. I had a lot of fun with that. So here is Joe. Wait, what's that? And we made it up on the fly. <laughs> yeah, that was an improvised bit, and I think we're going to keep it for every coach who comes on to White Lights because I had a lot of fun with that one. So here's Joe Stanek, and after Joe Stanek, me and Steve are going to do a little bit of a breakdown of the Texas Strength Classic that is next week, right? Yep, next Saturday and Sunday. All right, so here's Joe Stanek, then Texas Strength Classic Breakdown. 
And as promised, I got with me one of the league leaders in two White Lights appearances. And he's not here to recap one of my meets. I have with me my two favorite coaches, really, if I had to take a poll. Joe Stanek and Steve DeNovi. How are you, Joe? I'm good. I'm uh, just kind of hanging out. Uh, I've got a little bit of caffeine in my system because I'm going to go lift right after this. It's, it's, a, it's a good day. It's a good day for sure. Nice, 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 nice. And you know what? It's, it's fantastic to have you on the show because Two White Lights has been doing a whole lot of covering of kind of the inside of an organization, a powerlifting organization, and a lot of inside baseball talk with a lot of lifters. And this type of discussion has led to other people wanting to get involved in higher positions in the USAPL and take take the lead on it and actually act on some of their desires and wants and complaints. And you personally spoke to me that you wanted to get involved of being an athlete rep. So I, I the first thing we got to do is kind of go over what an athlete rep is because you, in a long ago conversation, brought this up to me, how it's a potential that I could do it, you can do it, and really any of one of us can do it. And I didn't know it existed. And I know Arian has talked a lot about it in posts and still, I think it's foreign to a lot of people. So let's talk just simply about what the role is and the responsibilities of being a USAPL athlete rep. Sure. So um, the athlete's representative is actually a position that deals directly with the executive board of USA Powerlifting. Um, now, for those that don't know, just a quick you know, summary of the e-board, it is the group of people who have a uh, controlling decision as far as the policies of USA Powerlifting, the president, vice president, secretary, a few different positions, that sort of deal. The athlete's representative is a position that is filled that's supposed to be the liaison between the athletes of USA Powerlifting and the e-board. And the position, uh, unlike most of the other positions that are on the e-board, is a completely publicly votable position. The Members of USA Powerlifting, unlike the other positions in the e-board, actually elect these individuals. There are five in total, and they serve uh, three-year terms. So uh, as the athlete representative, besides like just generally being a liaison, it's your job to communicate back and forth with the e-board and the body of athletes based on uh, what's going on in, in those meetings, helping to shape policy closer to what the athletes want uh, versus what the e-board wants, et cetera. Uh, to my knowledge, I may be wrong on this, but to my knowledge, I do believe you do get some sort of vote uh, based on, on the decisions, but I, I don't know that it's necessarily as weighted compared to members of the actual e-board. Um, and like I said, uh, there are five representatives in total, and there are two positions up for grabs this year. So, especially based on a lot of the stuff that's been going on recently in USA powerlifting. Uh, I've decided to put my name forward as somebody to fill one of those positions because there's a lot of policy that has been put out there recently that I know is rather unpopular and much of it uh, that I personally don't agree with. And many athletes uh, that I speak to don't agree with. And, and obviously, you know, the, the show has highlighted that quite a bit recently. So it's my, my hope that uh, by bringing that position to light, that more people will know that it exists uh, and that hopefully I can make a difference as far as making the, the policies of the Federation reflect what the athletes actually want compared to what's being put out there now. 
All right. So do you have off the top of your head, Steve or Joe, of like who's currently in those positions or is it up right now? Okay. Arian Kamisi, which is obviously we've talked about Arian. His term ends in 2020, so I believe his is one of them is up. I don't know if he plans to rerun. Um, the other one that is up is Latavia Bowens. And then we have three others who will be at the end of 2021. We got Donna Martz, uh, Sean Collins, and Vanessa Gale. Okay. All right. So, I, I mean, I'm familiar with uh, Arian and Sean Collins. The other two, I'm, or the other three, I believe you mentioned, I'm not too familiar with. Are you two gentlemen familiar with those other names? Um, Vanessa and, uh, and Latavia, I, I'm familiar with, uh, Donna, I'm, I'm not. Okay. Um, but I, I do, I have spoken to at least four out of those five people in the past. Um, I volunteered at one of Latavia's meets before, um, and, uh, Vanessa, I believe if I'm not mistaken, is a, uh, is a powerlifting coach herself. All right, so then, so then, what motivated you to really want to get into this role? I know you motivated some of the, the you mentioned some of the concerns that a lot of USAPL lifters have, but I mean, I feel like USAPL always has this discussion, or they always make decisions that are seemingly unpopular with the lifters. They do make popular decisions, but a lot of the times they're they're simply just not popular. So why this year? What was kind of the the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Sure. Um, so I, I think just generally, first of all, I, I think that, like I said, this position isn't very well known. Uh, and one of the things that I think the e-board does not do very well is explain their policy changes, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, for example, obviously the criteria for getting into raw nationals this year is not the greatest. And, of course, you know, covid COVID is still happening. They had to come up with some kind of solution. And, you know, I, I feel like uh, the vast majority of lifters that it affects are not the happiest with it. You know, there are some people, you being one of those, that may very well get left out of raw nationals because of the way that it's been done. And to me, I just felt like th- there is literally a position that's supposed to be communicating why the eboard is making decisions. And most people don't even know that it exists. And honestly, they could have avoided so much more of all the crap that they're getting if they would have at least put out an explanation as to why they were making the decisions that they were making. Mm -hmm. So it's my, the reason that I'm stepping forward and and doing this this year is because I want to actually be the athlete's representative. I want to actually, you know, be that person who says, Hey, this is what all the athletes are asking for. I'm going to have a a publicly available email address that anybody who's a USA powerlifting athlete can email at any time. And anytime that I would be present at an e-board meeting, I'm going to go through my email and say, this is, this is what lifters are concerned about right now. And then vice versa. I'm going to try to put out through either social media, maybe YouTube, Instagram, whatever. These are the decisions that the e-board made. This is the the notes on the discussions. And this is why that decision was made overall. Mm-hmm. Whether it's something that I like or don't like, I'll still put it out there and say, this is why that was done. So I think the, the number one reason why I'm doing that is, is specifically because I, I want a level of transparency that's just not there right now. That, that was the biggest thing for me. Because e- even if I don't necessarily agree with the decision, at the very least, I would like to know what your line of logic is mm-hmm. behind something like that. Um, but I... There, there's just too many policies that I that I don't really uh, agree with currently that I feel like uh, 
I don't know, maybe the e-board doesn't even understand how people are receiving them. Because, you know, for those that don't know, a lot a lot of the members of the e-board have been members of US, USA Powerlifting for a very long time. Um, they're, you know, older, older ladies and gentlemen that probably aren't as active on social media. So they probably don't see a lot of the response that is is being given to what they're, they're deciding. Um, so I'm hoping that that'll allow them to understand the way that their decisions are being interpreted by all of the people that they affect. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's more specifics I can go into, but I'll let you kind of rebuttal with what I've just said. Oh yeah. I think you pretty much nailed it. And we need, and I, I've said on the show so many times, we need someone to just relay the information that they're getting from the athletes to the executive board, because I use this example so many times you, they released the criteria for raw nationals. You heard the dis, disdain from it from the lifter side. I mean, people who got into Raw Nationals have disdain for it. People who didn't get into Raw Nationals have disdain for it. And their next their next step was, okay, let's give 2019 those people who were the top three in 2019, which I, I was t- okay with. But then they come up with, let's have lifetime members have early registration. And it's like, if you would have told... If, if, if an athlete would have told them, hey, that's not the route to go down and lifters will be pissed if you do this, I think they may have reconsidered their position on it. And I think there's just a weak line of communication between the athletes and Ebor. And I think a guy like you can relay that information as one, you coach a lot of young lifters, you coach a lot of lifters in the USAPL, and you have your ear to the ground in the USAPL. You've been a part of the new age of USAPL for a long time. You know what I mean? You've seen the newer lifters. You've seen the current culture of the USAPL. And you can definitely be that guy to be like, hey, I know a ton of lifters, ton of high-level lifters, ton of really popular people in this sport who are extremely influential. And if you do this, they will be unhappy. And you could potentially be losing some business here. Or you might just go through a PR nightmare and you guys don't want to do that. Um, So I think... Yeah, I would love to see you in that position to kind of just be in that line of communication for us. I think I, I'm honestly relatively uniquely qualified, not to toot my own horn, but I'm, I'm relatively uniquely qualified to be in this position for not just the younger athletes, but for all the athletes. You know, mm-hmm. I started my powerlifting career relatively young when raw powerlifting wasn't a thing. So I've done equipped lifting. I, I'm not going to say that I'm the most active Equip lifter because I haven't done it since, but I've done it. I understand some of the ins and outs of it. Uh, I've held so many different positions in the organization. I have run and direct meets and still, you know, actively do that. Maybe not currently, but you know, upcoming. Uh, I'm a referee. I have spotted and loaded at meets. Uh, obviously, I have coached at every level possible, including all the way up to the IPF. I've been an assistant coach for two national teams. I've commentated for IPF Worlds. Um, and I, I like to think that I have my ear to the ground of just pretty much everything in, in powerlifting. Like I, part of the, that's part of what I consider my job as a powerlifting coach is to, you know, keep my ear to the ground with that. So, you know, I just, I have a, a little bit of a unique position when it comes to that, that say the average individual that might take this position uh, may not have. And I think that that, that sort of gives me a unique perspective on all of that and hopefully will allow me to, uh, to listen to as many different differing opinions as possible and, and offer the best possible advice to the members of the e-board based on that. 
Um, as far as hitting on the, the lifetime membership thing, because I know you, you mentioned it, uh, I, I personally think that that was a, a very wrong move. Uh, I'll, I'll just put it out there right there. Uh, I, if you want to introduce a lifetime membership, that's one thing. If, mm-hmm. you, if somebody wants to, to pay for that, cool. But to essentially have a pay-to-play system, um, I'm going to sort of sort of date myself just a little bit here, but they're uh, in like the early, early 2000s when the sort of pay-to-play type system was introduced into video games where you could pay for, you know, some sort of advantage to be better than your competition. Uh, there was a ton of backlash and, and that, that sort of a thing has, has expanded to all sorts of other, uh, you know, sports systems, things like that, where if there's a clear advantage uh, of paying for something like no, no one's going to be happy about that. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just, to me that, that publicly as, as far as a PR situation, that just seems like a grab for money that I, like, I, I can't, I can't deny that that's all it seems like. Yeah. And, the, and I'm sure I, well, I, I guess we won't know for sure until nationals happens, but I'm positive that there's probably some people that said, yeah, you know what, I'm going to pay for this. Uh, and that, that stinks because in a way that's, you know, that's validation for the, the people who, who decided on this policy. Um, and I, I really hope that by, if I can, if I get this position, if I'm voted in that I can just bring, bring to these individuals attention, how bad that looks on them, because it's, it's, it's just not, it's not, not only is it not good for the sport of powerlifting, it's just not good business practice. People, people don't want to be a part of an organization that has that sort of a stipulation. Um, as far as the actual raw nationals policy, because I know we had talked about that a little bit, obviously, like I said, you're one of the lifters that, uh, that is affected by it. Um, I think that the way, the way they could have gone about it uh, a little bit better besides, you know, rewriting the whole system. One thing that immediately sticks out to me is the fact that there are so many repeats in a lot of the lists, right? So if you placed, top five at 2019 nationals you got an invite and i believe it's top three for the the hometown showdown is that correct yes yes and 2019 top three overall right yeah i'm just talking about these specific ones okay but yeah 2019 as well so that there's a lot of of repeats right like so there's three different opportunities for people to get invites i don't think that that makes sense why would you why would you give the same person potentially the same person three invites that doesn't make any sense like, and again, maybe it's a little bit, maybe it's a little bit of bias here in this particular case, since you're one of those people who would be directly next in line and I happen to coach you. But at the same time, I'm, I'm sure that's the case for multiple people across those lists that are like fourth place on the hometown showdown or something like that. And there's somebody who still got an invite and they did it. Mm-hmm. That would have been a much, much better way to go about it. It's not that hard to access somebody's information that's connected to their USAPL number. You can very easily look up their email address and send them an email. It really would not be that hard. It would not be that much extra work. Yeah. Well, they seem to be not doing great job of sending emails out to people either. Uh, seem to be a little bit of a struggle it's right now fun. with, uh, cause again, like the whole, the whole Tina tornado situation could have been really avoided. One, if you didn't make a post, that was probably a bad judgment move on her, but also, just them getting out the email on time. It's like, how many emails did you have to send out? Not too many as, as far as the second round of invites go. You had to send an e- email out to like six people, seven people. And you made yeah. though, and you made that rule for those people to get in specifically. So you should be able to get those emails out. But yeah, I agree. And I think me and Steve have talked about this. It just seems like 
the extra legwork that they're not willing to do. But if they actually do it, it's going to be a really good business practice for them. If they actually went out and looked up who is deserving within the rankings and falling down in the rankings, like, okay, Noriega gets two invites for 83. You know, Sean Collins, I don't know if he's going. Marcus is moving up to 93. So that leaves how many vacant spots? Let's go down in the rankings and see who we can pull up from that. And if that's the case for 83, it's definitely the case for every single weight class out there. Yeah. I do think admittedly with the changing of weight classes, you would need to figure out how to balance that out too, right? Like if, if somebody, if somebody gets a, uh, an invite and they're plan they've moved up to another class, Charlie, Charlie Yang comes to mind, for example, like mm-hmm. he's, he's doing 66s. Um, do you then have to take away an invite for somebody else from, from 66? How do you balance that? Yeah. So I, I think with that particular situation, you, you do, there would have to be some configuring to be done. Right. Um, but that said, yeah, I think, you know, like, let's say, for example, let's say somebody, um, let's say they, they moved up uh, a class and they haven't competed in a while and they're just not ready for nationals. Maybe, maybe rather than like skipping somebody's invite, maybe just, you know, giving that to the next deserving athlete would be another great thing to have. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're actually doing that or not, but considering I haven't heard of anything like that at the moment that I think that would have been a good choice too. Like, let's say, say somebody just, you know, like, like the other Sean Collins is a good example. He hasn't competed in a while, you know, maybe he's not ready for nationals. There you go. Um, to the situation with the emails, by the way, I, uh, I absolutely agree with you there. I think that that could be done a little bit, a little bit better. Uh, I'm not sure what the staffing is like at the national office, but I can't imagine that it would be much work for even just one person to do correctly. Um, I, uh, I know from, from Ricky Cho, one of the athletes, one of the other athletes that I coached that w- was invited, it, he didn't get his email at all. Like he, he, he had to personally email the national office and say, Hey, I placed at raw nationals. Where's my invite. And this was, I think like two or three days after. Um, so clearly there's some just disorganization going on there or something. I don't know. I had, I had three people that were supposed to get invites and not a single one got an email. There you go. So every single one we had to email USA Bill. So yeah, like you said, there's not, I mean, I'm going to toot my own horn. I figured out everyone that was invited and all the snubs in less than like 45 minutes, me and Angela were literally talking back and forth. I went and figured them all out and had them all typed out. It, it's not a ton of legwork. It could, it could fairly easily be done. Or, I mean, geez, see, are you, are you, you know, asking for an employment opportunity here? USAPL can just hire you. Or as an athlete rep, does an athlete rep volunteer to do it? Yeah, that could be something. Yeah, like, because, yeah, we we, we go through the, like, uh, actually, Tina was, uh, you know, like, messaging me, like, how do you know all this? I'm like, well, technically, it's not me. It's Steve. He's doing the legwork, and he's going out who's in the rankings. It's like, there was a reason why we didn't put you in the snub list, because top 15, Tina would have definitely fallen in with good lift points, right? I think top 15 from 2019 to 2020. I'm like, there was a reason why you weren't on there, because we naturally assumed you were getting an invite. Same thing with Deuce Gruden. I think Deuce Gruden actually got a late invite, and that's because me and Joey Fletcher were going back and forth because he was like, wait, does Deuce get an invite? I'm like, yes, he should be getting an invite. Make sure he checks his email. And and then, you know, a day later, Deuce is like, all right, I'm in. Raw Nationals, let's go. Like, I I should not be the – two-way life should not be communicating with athletes on who should get invites and who shouldn't. That should be USAPL making sure people are accounted for. Yeah. Yeah. So – I'll kind of leverage this into something else. We're talking about current topics, but Joe, I know there was a topic that's been more spanned out over the last three years as an athlete rep that you really want to be able to cover if you want to dive more into that. 
Yeah, yeah. So what uh, what Steve is alluding to there is the infamous media policy. Um, so for those that don't know, USA Powerlifting over the last three years has had this really strange policy of monopolizing the media in the venue for nationals. I, I don't understand this policy at all, but the, I guess the, the thought behind it, just, you know, doing some, some critical thinking here must be, okay, well, you know, this, this minimizes the headache for us as far as having, you know, a bunch of extra people filming things. And it's a business opportunity for us to make some extra money. Mm-hmm. The problem, it, it, that's what I'm assuming. The problem with this is that the execution has been horrible, frankly. The the, the company, um, which I believe is now dissolved, that uh, that was working uh, for USA Powerlifting to do all this work, to shoot photos, to shoot video, etc., uh, infamously did not deliver any anywhere close to on time. The footage was usually uh, dark and very poorly edited. The yeah. picture's the same. Um. And it, it just, it's a super bad look for a sport that arguably speaking, our lifeblood is on social media. I think that it is extremely telling that the, the individual who helped bring up USA powerlifting, it, it, he's not a hundred percent the reason, but let's face it. He's a majority of it. Johnny Candido. It is so telling that he did that through YouTube you know, yeah. and that he can't, like, under the policy for USA Powerlifting, he can't bring his stuff to the venue and record. He can't do that under that policy, which is ridiculous. Yeah. You know? So my my thought, I have, I have a few different thoughts on this, but the number one, number one thing should be a, a much more open media policy. You should be able to have people there. If it is a concern as far as making money off of it, sell media passes. You know, it's, it's not that much to say, and, and you know, it, you can have a limit so that everything doesn't get super cramped, uh, as, as far as that goes, Heck, I was talking to, uh, Tim Thibodeau, my business, my business partner about this. I was saying to him, why not make it a perk of prime time that you get an extra media pass so you can have two people there with you mm-hmm. to, to film for film for you. Cause let's face it. A lot of the people who are in prime time are people that are larger on social media. Russ comes to mind, for example. Can you imagine the sick video that he could make yeah. with with two people filming him? I I think it would be great. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and that will bring more people into the sport. Yeah, you know, uh, and you could even take it a step further. I, I I know, obviously, I don't know the the details of the budget or something like that, but you could take it a step further. You could say, you know, as part of as part of being in prime time, we are going to provide you with somebody who can personally come and come out and film you. And we're going to create this awesome hype video of all the primetime athletes that'll be played during breaks and before primetime mm-hmm. do that sort of a stuff. Um, or better yet, how you will, we'll give you a small stipend to hire somebody to do that. You know, can you imagine how happy all these lifters would be for that? I think it would be huge because it would look so professional. Oh yeah. Um, but regardless, I, I think even if you, you know, even if you have to do this in a limited capacity where you can only let so many people have, you know, media, media passes or whatever, it's a much better, much better business practice because it, it puts the power back in the lifters hands. It, it lets them do their thing. If they're, if they happen to be larger on social media, whatever, and it still brings in money. 
arguably it, it'll probably bring in more money directly to the federation because before it was a it was a, a company you know that was that they had contracted to do this so mm-hmm. if you're if you're just giving the money straight to the federation then boom you know there, there's just so many better ways to do it but i i think in summary they just need to open up the media policy in some way that is a little bit more freeing to everyone because it's going to be better for the sport overall it's going to be better for the promotion of powerlifting and you are lying to yourself if you think that that social media does not matter when it comes to powerlifting because it absolutely does it is only as big as it is because of social media yeah you make an excellent point there and i mean candido when he was on the show said the angriest he's ever been was looking at the package he got from nine for nine media and just realized he couldn't put any of it on his youtube page because how bad it looked he was so dissatisfied with what they gave him that he didn't put on YouTube. And it was his comeback meet. Like, that was going to bring a lot of eyes to the sport because Candido was returning to Raw Nationals. And if the USAPL would have known that, they probably wouldn't have made that decision. But another point you made, and this is something that me and Isaac Whistler talked about with our podcast, was they they did those hype videos. USAPL created their, or they used their own camera footage and put it on the Jumbotron and put it on the USAPL powerlifting page of what was going on at Raw Nationals. And you got kind of a behind-the-scenes look at Raw Nationals and the great things of Raw Nationals. But here's the thing. No one besides us really saw it. No one besides us in the USAPL who attended Raw Nationals really got to see the great the greatness of 2019 Raw Nats because it was fantastic. It was a fantastic meet, but so little people got to see that. Now, if you give the same power to Russ, if you give the same power to those people who have a real great understanding of what real professional media should look like, way more people are going to see the insides and outs of Raw Nationals and you are going to get so many more people into the sport and you can make money so much more efficiently if you do that. You, one, get more members in the USAPL. Two, you can, I I really like your idea of charging for a media pass. I really think it's like, hey, Johnny Candido, if you give us, you know, an extra $100 or something for a media pass and you get to bring your own equipment in, he would take it. He knows what a good investment is. All of them do. All of these people are good business people. Russ, Johnny, Tim, all these people have great YouTube channels. They know what they're doing as far as business goes, and they know giving them a media pass, a $100 media pass, is a really great business move by them. And a guy like me, who's not active on uh, YouTube, I'm not taking it. There's no reason for me to have a media pass at Raw Nationals, unless I'm doing something for Two White Lights. But... There's really no reason for me. It's like, okay, well, I get to save $100, don't buy the media pass, and I'm good. Don't really need this extra this extra cost in there, too. So I, I think they're leaving so much money on the table. And I think if they're honest with the lifters, too, it's totally cool if you're saying, hey, we're trying to make money here, so you're going to give us – we're just going to give you a media pass because we're an organization who needs to make money. Like, if you're honest with me about making money, I'm like, yeah, I like money. You like money. Everyone likes money. I am not against you making money, USAPL. And we talked about it plenty of times. There's there's money grabs we'd be okay with. Like, the lifetime membership wasn't the best idea. That wasn't a great money grab. But there are money grabs that are completely okay and we'd understand, and one would be a media pass. And, Joe, I don't know if you ran into this, but, like, an option as a meat director, you have certain things you're allowed to use the USAPL logo for that you get approved for for free. There are things that you don't get approved for that you can pay an additional fee to add the logo to. 
that seems right in line with what would just be a media pass. It might actually hundred dollars might be a little cheap in comparison to what I know I'd have to pay for actually adding USAPL logo as a meet director. I still think Russ or, or like these people who have big YouTube channels, they are making enough off of being able to put that YouTube video out that a couple hundred dollars would still be worth the media pass to them. Russ would pay two, three, four hundred dollars for a media pass and wouldn't bat an eye. And I think that would not only that would keep everyone from wanting to do it. These channels with hundred subscribers that man, do they really need to have cameras everywhere? But then we can at least get Russ, we can get Tim, we can get Candido, we can get all these people who actually are going to get more views than live streams, being able to put this out there and not just the hype video, but get the behind the scenes so they can have that personal connection with what's going on with the entire meet. Yeah. I think that, I think that's a really, really good point too. Yeah. A hundred dollars might be a little bit, might be a little, a little bit cheap for that. Um, and that way, rather than having like a, a specific like limit to media passes or something like that, I think that would be a great solution. Um, Another thing too, I, I will say that's not the perfect solution as well, because under the current media policy, like say your parent just happens to have a knife to film you, they still, they couldn't do that either at, at, under the current media policy. They would be asked to leave the venue based on that. So I, I don't think it's a perfect solution um, because obviously like your parent is not going to pay $400 so that they can use their, you know, Sony, whatever camera versus their phone. And, and so not a perfect solution on, on that case, but I do think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, I also think that having no media whatsoever provided by the meet director could also be bad too, because you know, if there's like, not every lifter has the ability to like get their stuff filmed. Uh, and I do think that again, as far as like money goes, not having that, you know, that you're probably going to lose out on that. Right. It's just a matter of getting a good company uh, and then making sure that the individuals who do buy media passes understand how to not get in the way of one another. And I think that was one of the concerns, you know, as to why this, this pass was originally created as well as, or excuse me, this pass, this policy was originally created is because a lot of people were, you know, just getting in the way of these people who were, you know, being paid to, to do all this. There was a bunch of people just kind of getting in the way of that. But I think as long as there were some, you know, as long as there's some ground rules set saying like, Hey, here's the areas where you can, where you can be with, with a pass, without a pass, try to, you know, here's, here's the company that we have on hand, don't get in their way, please. You know, everybody just kind of share the space, that sort of deal. As long as there's that sort of like mutual respect for one another, you can definitely implement something like this and make everybody happy because ultimately that's, that's what we care about, right? Just making sure that, that everything's balanced in that way. Cause if everybody wins, then, then we don't have anything to argue about. Yeah. I, and also it's, it starts to sound like you're describing a professional or sports organization when you talk about in that way, like, Hey, logistically, let's see how this can work and let's have a bunch of media here and let's see how they can all coexist. That's a very professional move and that's a very good step in the right direction for becoming a more legitimate professional sports organization is if you do something like this, if you actually think of these things before they happen. Um, and again, it just highlights the sport in such a different way that I, and I, and you could always have the best of both worlds here. You can have, cause a guy like me and a lot of the lifters. So for, for people who don't know, like, so if you say, if you just want pictures from the meet and you don't have a camera crew like Russ does or Candido does, but if the meet director, the raw national still has something like nine for nine media. I don't know who does it now. I forgot who the uh, company was for the Arnold. They did a great job, but a lot of those lifters who are still high level have sponsorships who pay for those pictures. They pay out of like pocket. Like, yeah, I want to see our gear being 
broadcast it on the platform so we could put on our page. So we will pay this media pass so we can – you still make that money from just those regular pictures that are being taken. Like I, I only see potential for just a big moneymaker here, and their decision was leaving money off the table and build a built resentment from lifters because I know – He's bought up a lot in the show, and you know he's 2020 guest of the year, so he deserves that spotlight. But Candido, if you really take all the resentment built up from the media pass and not a lifetime membership, the pay-to-play sort of thing, he's made it very clear that he's probably not going back to the USAPL anytime soon. That's a built-up resentment from lifters, and it's not just one thing. It's accumulation of things that don't get fixed. And it's just when you have unhappy lifters and losing money, there's got to be something that changes. I agree. And again, I think that I think to bring it back to the the general discussion here, I, I think that the problem is, is that when a lot of these decisions are made behind closed doors, you know, you're in an echo chamber in a way. You're, you're not necessarily hearing the opinions of all the people that actually get affected by these policies, which I mean, it admittedly is is sort of the problem with politics in, in general not to make it not to make everything super political but that is that is true you know if you if you're just if you're never actually listening to the individuals who you're making policy for then you're just gonna you know get your ideas bounced around amongst a few people uh, and, and I'm, I'm hoping that by being a little bit more active with this this athlete's representative role I'm hoping that I can actually you know, listen to what people want when it comes to that. And, and not even just at the national level, because let's face it, a lot of this, a lot of the stuff that we've been addressing here has just been at the national level. I am sure there has probably been some, you know, some person at a local meet that's had some kind of concern that they feel needs addressing. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully by being more public with this saying, Hey, hi, I'm Joe. I'm the athlete's representative. You can email me anytime. If you have a concern that you want brought up at the, at the highest level of USA powerlifting's leadership, I'm hoping that stuff like that can be changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's, again, what I'm hoping for with this with this position. I don't want to, you know, as important as these issues that we've been talking about are, I, I want to be able to actually bring up concerns for every athlete. Yeah. And to kind of go off of, because I, I don't realize, think athletes realize how they can actually email these athlete reps unless they know who they are and they know it's Joe Stanek and they go to your Instagram. If you go to usapowerfilm.com, you click about us, you can go right down and there's going to be under admin athlete reps and it has a click to email on every single one of them. So even the current ones, even if Joe's not an athlete rep right now, you can go right there. It's two clicks away to be able to get to any one of their emails and give them feedback to then relay on to that executive board. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, I guess a little side note here, um, just as far as like the USAPL staying in touch with the lifters, I don't know if this is anything you can change, but their social media presence has to change. Because I'm seeing so many things just based on their Instagram page that, like, you need someone, I believe, that knows how social media works to operate this thing. Because um, we posted today, breaking news, that the USAPL is taking the IPF to court based on the appeal for the world records being recognized. And somebody commented on the Two White Lights page, is this because the at USAPL powerlifting dropped the ball and didn't apply for the proper sanctioning prior to the event? Question mark. And the USAPL liked that comment. In fact, a, a comment that was bashing them in a way and criticizing them. 
That's I, really weird. I don't. I think they're like, oh, we're mentioned in a comment. Like, they're probably in favor of us. Like, like, no. Do you guys read the comment? You just like the comment from it, and I just think that it just needs a little restructuring. The social media department, like. Let's look, let's look at the comments, actually. Let's look at the comments on Two White Lights, see what we're doing good, see what we're doing bad. But I feel like they're not doing that. I think they're just like, oh, we're mentioned. Sweet. Like it. Boom. Cover. <laughs> Done. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, that, that's, definitely, that's definitely a legitimate concern. Um, yeah, I, I will say I don't – again, maybe this is just who's in charge with this kind of stuff, but I do think the fact that – uh, that news was broken on only the USA powerlifting website and wasn't really like blasted out on social media a bunch. I do think that that kind of says something now, admittedly, we have to keep in mind that USA powerlifting does have a, you know, like they have a staff, right? They're, they're a nonprofit business. So they, you know, there are certain people who are doing these things. And I, I have to imagine that they probably don't have a dedicated social media manager. And I don't know that they would immediately be able to allocate funds just for that. Now, do I think that would be a good use of funds for the future? Yes, absolutely. I absolutely do. Um, and just a comment, since we brought it up, just a comment on that, that whole situation with the world records. For those that, that don't know, we were sort of discussing this before. Uh, the reason that USA Powerlifting is taking the IPF to court uh, is over the fact that the world records that were legitimately set at the Arnold Sports Festival just before the pandemic hit, uh, the IPF decided to disallow those and say, hey, that these these weren't actually legitimate world records, uh, despite them meeting all the criteria for it, having the necessary referees, basically everything that has been uh, the way that it was before when whenever world records were set at the Arnold previously. Um, now the, the, one of the, the justifications, the one that that comment alluded to that the IPF gave was, well, you don't have an IPF sanction. Why? There are, uh, regional bodies under the IPF, uh, the, the North American powerlifting federation being one of those bodies. And every year previously that world records have been set at the Arnold and an APF sanction has been all that they've had. They have never had an IPF sanction and that's never been a problem because, in every other regional powerlifting federation that is under the IPF, you are able to set world records so long as you have the necessary referees there. There has never been a situation where they've come out and said, hey, you need this additional IPF sanction. And if that was the case, wouldn't wouldn't you know, wouldn't they then have to say, hey, we're changing this this year? You also need an IPF sanction as well. You know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of it's it's a little strange to me that that's their justification when there was no prior warning with this and as far as precedent goes that's never been the case they've been able to set those records that way uh and i I think that that is a shame and extreme disservice to the very talented i believe steve you said it was nine athletes that broke the world records uh in in raw and equipped across the different events it it's a shame and and that shouldn't be the case uh and i really really do hope that the uh the court of uh i forget what the exact term for it is the whatever court of sport I can't remember the exact name of it, but whatever the court's actual name is, I hope that they decide in favor of USA powerlifting in this case. And honestly, good on the leadership for taking this that far, because I'm sure it's extremely expensive as far as the litigation fees go for litigation in a foreign, uh, foreign country. Yeah, that's all. Cause I was asking, uh, the two white lights, you know, viewer and listener and people follow the page their opinion on it. Cause once you take something to court, you got to really think like, all right, there's going to be some funds allocated for this. And is it a proper use of that? 
Um, I guess I was on the fence about it, but I do like the USAPL like fighting back against the IPF because I feel like it's always been a one-sided fight as far as the IPF and USAPL goes. It's like whatever the IPF says, the USAPL does because they're at their mercy. No, it's nice to see the USAPL fighting back. So I was okay with it just from my standpoint, a uh, personal standpoint. But um, And there is some mixed ones from that too because – I think the biggest the, the biggest factor here, um, based on their decision, the IPF was the NAPF and USAPL didn't reach out for them for proper sanction, and the USAPL is kind of refuting that. So I just really don't know exactly. I find it hard to believe that the USAPL and NAPF didn't necessarily reach out for an IPF sanction. Yeah, I mean, I I, I believe them when they say that they didn't. Again, just because in years previous. There's never been a need to. Yeah. As long as you have a sanction from the NAPF, that's that's not been the case. And the IPF has given some other really poor justifications, like citing some kind of rule that apparently was just made up about the announcer being on the platform. Uh, and I have no problem saying this publicly. Uh, you know, there seems to be some sort of problem with Gino uh, at the IPF level. I don't understand why he was barred from uh, announcing at, at world level events, at, the, at, at IPF level events uh, a few years ago. Uh, and apparently, I don't know, there seems to have been a problem with him announcing at a meet that was that's considered a world level. That was in their, their list of rebuttals, which was, I think, the exact quote is something to the tune of, of the announcer being on the platform yeah. is not allowed or something like that. Um, so, but they, they gave a lot of really silly justification that I don't understand how how that disqualifies the performance of these individuals as long as they're following the rules, you know, as long as they didn't fail their drug test. Like there, there's no legitimate justification here um, that, that I can, that I can see whatsoever. And, and again, I, again, to bring this back to the, the athletes representative thing, I would hope as an athlete's rep, maybe I could give a little bit more information there that other people might not otherwise know of. Um, hope, hopefully, have being somebody that has my, my ear to the ground a little bit more. Everybody understands that situation a little bit more now. Um, and here's hoping, here's hoping that, uh, that they win that there's, there's uh, still a bunch of other conflicts between USA powerlifting and the IPF as well. Um, like they, for example, a lot of people don't know this, but, uh, they do not like our drug testing program because yeah. we don't use, we don't use a WADA lab specifically. We use a lab that, that runs profiling similar to WADA, but it's, it's not a, a specific water lab and that's just because of money. It would, it would cost more money than it would be worth to, to drug test at every meet. Um, which I, you know, the original mission of USA powerlifting, which is a, their original name is the American drug free powerlifting association is to have, you know, as close to a drug free powerlifting program as possible. And, and that's, you know, we're, we're the country out of all of the IPF affiliates that drug tests the most. It, a lot of people probably don't understand that either. Like it's very normal at local meets for people to be selected to be drug tested. Most other IPF affiliates in the world, that doesn't happen at every meet. Mm-hmm. I think so. We, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I almost feel like when they released those numbers a year or so back when that was more of an issue, we drug test more people than every other nation combined. You're correct. That's how we do it. Yeah. Um, which I think all of us within the USAPL like that aspect because yeah. – yeah, that's what we want. We, if we had to pay, especially as a meat director, if I had to pay a thousand dollars test for WADA or whatever it was, I mean, would any of us even host meats anymore, or yeah. we just have to do drug tests? So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's it's it's something that, that legitimately makes our ecosystem of being able to have as many meats as we do possible. Yeah, because yeah, you you know this from being a meat director, Steve. Like even even the tests that we already have are, are still kind of pricey. 
I, I can't imagine if if all of the if if all those tests multiplied to that factor, it would be it would be impossible. People wouldn't be able to host meets. Yeah, I think that was cited under the IPF's uh, decision. There was because they didn't reach out for an IPF sanction. They didn't get the proper anti-doping agency to come out there for the uh, the Arnold. Uh, that's at least what I'm seeing on Barben from it. So. But the rebuttal from the USAPL makes sense. It's like, well, the NAPF has been an umbrella for, it's been the umbrella organization for the IPF, and we've been doing this since 2009. It's like, so now all of a sudden, in 2020, you guys are going to decide not to accept world records. So, yeah, it's good to see the USAPL fighting back because this, it's not like this is a once in a lifetime meet that they're accepting world records at the Arnold. This, it has happened before. Um, this is the only time they've been rescinded. So, yeah, interesting develop developments there, and another just uh, good reason like these things happen because people forgot all about this because powerlifting is such a recency bias type of sport that people were upset about it at the time. People had their opinions about it at the time. Then you know something else happened in powerlifting. People hit PRs. People got on King of the Lifts and saw all these amazing videos, and they completely forgot about it. And now it's revamped. People are like, wait. What is this? What happened? They're, they they didn't accept records at the Arnold. Like, all right, well, it looks like we need some explanation here. It looks like we need a little bit more of a communication between the organization and the lifters because people flat out forget or they flat out don't understand what's happening. Yeah, and I think beyond just beyond just the athletes' representative position, hopefully now being a little bit more uh, in in the limelight there, I I, I I think that it just needs to be. I, I don't know. I was having this discussion with um, your uh, with your your sponsor man with CP, whom I'm not sure if you know that I coach him, but I, I, I coach I'm a hundred percent aware of that. So. Okay, okay. <laughs> didn't did know for sure. Um, but I was having this discussion with him, and, and what the way that he termed it was was quite. Uh, it, it made sense. To, it made a little bit more sense to me why why uh, you know the higher ups being a little bit older why they why they don't always think to uh, actually disclose these things, and and it's it's. New business and old business. Old business, it's all closed doors, right? A lot of a lot of stuff happens, and and there's no need to publicly disclose it, right? Whereas a lot of us who are who are younger, we're more used to that open transparency in in the world of social media because it's in a lot of ways it's actually used as a way to promote things. You know, we're, we're used to these these you know this, these new individuals who were you know, putting out a bunch of content around their business saying, Hey, look at me, look at all that. I'm, look at all that I'm doing. Um, so I think that in, not just in my, my work or whoever's work as an athlete representative, but with USA powerlifting in general, in order to more effectively communicate all of the decisions that they're making, they need to bridge that gap a little bit more because let's face it. Powerlifting is a young person's sport right now. The vast majority of the people who are competing are you know, juniors or just out of being a junior by a few years, some sort of the large majority of people who are getting involved in the sport. And it's only going to continue to be that case because powerlifting is super popular on social media who uses social media more younger people. So there needs to be a conceited effort between the e-board, the athlete reps, everybody who's in charge of, of communicating these things to be more open and to put it out on multiple platforms, not just an email newsletter that comes out once a month. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the, some of the newsletter, I, I have conversations that it's, it's kind of hard to follow with the emails, like the, the cl- clickable links and all that stuff. So I think it's just not really ever going to reach a 
proper audience when you do stuff in that way. But if you release something on social media, say Instagram, you're definitely at people reading it. I mean, they did that with the new uh, divisions that they released, and that got more shares, that got more eyes on it, that got you know certain media companies, King of Lifts, I think, uh, copy pasted what they saw and put on King of Lifts. They have a larger following than USAPL powerlifting. More lifters got involved. There was a discussion there. So I, I just think, I, I think those common sense practices will be great for. Uh, USAPL and a person like you to communicate that will be great. So in, in summary, uh, I don't know. I don't know how the voting actually is supposed to work. That was going to uh, be my I've, next question. The voting part. I, I, it yeah, feels like I, I can vote on this, right? Yeah. So I, I got to know that. <laughs> yeah. I would imagine that it's probably going to be on the USA powerlifting website. Um, when, when I know more, I will happily, you know, put it out there on social media and I'll do my best to tag people. Hopefully, you know, maybe you can repost it, that sort of deal. Um, I would, I would imagine it has to be, uh, you, you have to have your credentials for being a USA powerlifting member to cast a vote. Um, and then I, I do know, at least from what Arian has told me that voting will end, uh, when nationals happens. Um, and I, I will, I'll also say this. Uh, if you are interested in being an athlete's rep, like I mentioned at the start of, of the interview, there are two positions available, not just the one. Um, I would love to actually run cooperatively with someone else. So if anybody is really interested in this position and wants to take it, I'm making the call right now. If somebody would like to, please message me on Instagram or email me, whatever, uh, and hopefully we can sort of have this sort of conjoined campaign uh, where we can be the voice of the athletes. Admittedly, if you don't want to do that, you can run, you can run on your own. And I encourage you to do that, but I do think it would be awesome to have two potential candidates that are going to have the same position running together and, and hopefully being able to, to have a big voice for that. Um, either way, if you want more information on it, uh, you can go on the USA powerlifting website and there is a description of what the position is like, uh, like, Steve said there's also, you know, contact info for the current reps if you wanted to contact them. More, like I reached out to, to Arian and Sean on, uh, on Instagram, so I'm sure you could do the same thing there. Regardless, uh, we need two people to fill these positions. And I, I just think if anybody else is, is where I'm at, where you feel like you want to see some change, this is the best way to do that. So I encourage you to get involved. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Oh, and uh, – Applications are due by May 20th, by the way. Okay. So, yeah, that's some, that's some good information. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can have some people uh, jump on that. I might ask for – I may ask you to relay that information over to me because I just want to give that a read over. Um, also, is there any other ways you're going to, like, suggest to the USAPL that they communicate with their athletes more, like speaking only in anime terms on the USAPL <laughs> page? Like, how, how do you plan on doing that? Is there going to be – more anime hype videos or what's what's going on with that well i mean i guess i could get gino to play all anime music when you're on the platform next dude i will I uh, do that. yeah i, I mean they played about those to you to make sure it's all wrestling and no anime on the platform well <laughs> they did play uh sweet caroline from uh neil diamond when on my third deadlift at raw national so I don't know. I mean, I love me some Neil Diamond, but I thought that was a real low blow from the USAPL to me because what do you do when Sweet Caroline comes on? 
you sing along to the song and I wanted to sing along to Sweet Caroline when I was on the platform. So maybe some weird instrumental Japanese type thing will be a better alternative to Neil Diamond. I love you, Neil. No disrespect to you, but maybe that. Um, I mean, it all sounds like video game loading music to me anyway, so it's it'll be a fine transition for me. Um, in, in all seriousness, though, I, I would love to see the USA powerlifting like eboard. I would love to see them actually like going on to Instagram. Like I, I know, I know it's obviously difficult. Like it's not for a lot of them. It's not necessarily their full-time job, but I would love to like, even if it's, even if it's just like, like Gaston does with the IPF and they're like filming, obviously they can't, the podcast can't see me doing this, but I'm holding my face, my phone down at my face if you've ever seen Gaston on the IPF Instagram, that's what he does. I mean, that would be better. That'd be better than nothing. Right. I don't know about that. I'm going to be really clear. I don't know if I want to see, uh, any USAPL executive board member, just hold a phone straight up to their nose and mouth and speak into it. People are like, what the hell am I watching? Is this my dad's, is this my dad trying to figure out how FaceTime works? And then they'll just log right off of a live or anything. Um, I mean, I, Dude, I think there would be so many volunteers, though, for that social media position. Like, say for me, I guess I would obviously like, you know, some sort of kickback on that. Uh, maybe, hey, throw in a lifetime membership for me if I do the social media marketing. Just give me a, give me a jacket and a broiled patch, and uh, you, you got me there. Um, but, like, some sort of kickback for, like, because, I mean, I got a smartphone. You give me the USAPL, you know, social media account. I, I'm guaranteeing, and I'm guaranteeing you, it'd be like twenty times better from what it is now, just for me doing it. Now imagine someone who actually has a job in social media. We're just have a social media intern consistently coming through. I mean, every college kid who needs an internship that wants a social media background—that'd be a dream if you're a powerlifter. Yeah, it's 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 something that I don't think is like that ridiculous for them to just like, hey, volunteers. Uh, interns whatever you want to take control of the social media all right have at it here you go let's get some graphic designers in there a lot of i mean really an 18 year old with adobe photoshop i mean it's just it's so much better of a product and they they give them licensing to the logo that they can't use all the information out there i think i i think that's so doable and i don't think it's i and i'm not even gonna criticize them for that i just don't think they've thought about it Oh yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I'm saying. I, I think that the divide is, is between the people who are in charge of making these decisions and the individuals who regularly engage us. Like, I just think the age is so different that they just don't think about it. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, they just do what they've, they've done the whole time that they've been running it, which admittedly for a lot of these people is a long time, uh, which to, to that point, I will say this, if you are actually interested in eventually becoming an e-board member, like this is the first step to that being an athlete's rep because getting onto the e-board is something that only ironically only the e-board members can and, well e-board members state chairs and i think there's one other that i'm forgetting but e-board members and state chairs can vote on so at least according to arian if you want to be at a full-fledged member of the e-board this is one this is one of if not the best way to start that path nice Nice. So yeah. who knows? Maybe I'll be the president of USA Powerlifting someday. That'll be fantastic. I think I think an anime loving powerlifter would be the first person that people would want as their president in the USAPL. We'll have we'll have nothing but anime <laughs> OSTs playing at every single 
nationals just to spite you. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I worked myself into this corner. I really picked. A, yeah. I really picked a, a a bad community to go after. I'm pretty outnumbered on this one, but at the same time, I'm not really worried about it too much. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that you're taking upon yourself to do this. I'm very excited. Uh, more information for voting. Make sure you relay. Relay that to me, relay it to Steve, and we'll get on two white lights and uh, make make sure the the common USAPL lifter, we are the Power Lifters podcast, make sure they know um, they know the proper information to vote and the proper responsibilities of the role. I think that'll be a really great step in helping the USAPL because hey, I, I know we've we've you know criticized it a whole lot on two white lights, but me, Steve, and definitely Joe. We want the USAPL to succeed. It comes from a place from love. This isn't this isn't hate, guys. This, if you are a USAPL eboard member and listening right now, I don't hate you. I want to be a part of you still, but we just are trying to find ways to make you better. And you know what? If you're listening, just shoot over an invite. It's not that big of a deal. It's not that hard. Just shoot one over. Shoot one over the link, and you know I'll I'll do it in privacy so I don't look like a total jackass. But <laughs> But interesting concept that's going on two white lights. We've been doing our lifter ratings. Now I got two coaches and there's coaches in Madden. There's coaches in NCAA football. How about you guys give me some coach, coach ratings here, coach, uh, coaching ratings. And uh, let's try to agree on maybe three criteria points to get these ratings down. I know one Joe's going to already say, I'm going to say it for him because this is his favorite thing in the sport, meat day handling. That's got to be one. Oh, you're right. You're right. For sure, definitely. One of the correlations I see between, like, powerlifting coaches and coaches in other sports, how you handle your team on game day. How you coach your team on game day. There's some people in the National Football League, Major League Baseball, who are known to be better at just handling the players' emotions and getting the right calls out on the actual game as opposed to the X's and O's part. There are people who have jobs. I would say Joe Madden was one of those people. X's and O's for the Chicago Cubs, not exactly the best coach, but players want to play for him, and he can do the right things on the actual game, aside from maybe pick a few pitchers here and there. But, yeah, I love that one, game day coaching, game day handling, that is for sure for me, number one. How about yeah. another one? Because I have nothing. <laughs> I, I was going to say programming skill. You know, how how uh, how good are you at, at getting the best out of your athletes? Okay. Yep. I, I mean, I think, I mean, that goes to the next one. So I think the three probably, if you're looking at the three main skills that can be probably rated, it's meet day handling, programming skills, um, and then, I don't know, biomechanic skills, technique skills, something like that. I don't know how you... That's I, what I was going to say for the third that, one. That would be really the three main ones. Most technical people, advice? Kind of, yeah, like, a, yeah. Technique two advice? One, if there's a fourth one, it's probably something about, like, are we hashtagging boys or fam and creating an Instagram <laughs> culture with our team? Because yes. that seems to be the fourth kind of, like, needed criteria for most coaches in this day, is, like, how many... How many hashtag PR spam is there if you go to the hashtag page? Dude, nailed it. Nailed it on that one. Um, yeah, oh B-O-I, you know, a hashtag, you know, because we. I guess we don't we, – we, I, I, you're lacking on that, Joe, because we don't have one. I just tag you in the yeah. post. 
We don't have Joe yeah, Boys. Snap, but hashtag TSA Boys. I have PR's lifestyle. I'm going to say that's kind of getting close to it, but no, no, my athletes tag it, so it's really not going to get me very good. Rating. You gotta, you gotta restructure that if no one of your athletes are catching on to it. It's got to be a yeah. thing that they do. <laughs> you have PR's performance, even though it's not that whatever it is. But yeah, I mean, and then negative points. So hash, there's increased points from hashtag Boys or Fam. Negative is hashtag Trust the Process. <laughs> okay yes that would be the negative points like if you have more athletes tagging hashtagging hash the pro- trust the process that means you have a very low rating perfect i love it actually that's I, we, we could actually another two white little segue here we could actually power rank the hashtags for coaches because there's so many on. of them like flex boys yeah. prime fam uh that, yeah yeah cra- uh, you could yeah you can get craftsmanship in there too we we gotta start power ranking. I don't know if they say Nori Boys, but everyone calls them Nori Boys. But yeah, they they use that. That'd be a good one. They, they were one. weren't they, they really called the Build the Boys back, at, back. at a point? The what? The Build the Boys. Is there there? Um, I might be actually. It might be an insult, but I think there was a point where it, like the the term build was being used by a lot of people. I think Kai might have done that. Like they yeah, would have the thing Kai. B, but then I think people associated with like Noriega started calling them the Build the Boys possibly for an insult it might be an insult that they were using for them but probably yeah but i mean it's 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 actually a nice hashtag it rolls off the tongue build the boys but i know nor yeah nori boys is up there people people tag nor, nori boys so should we come up with mine for, real quick yeah because yeah, the serious ones we got three we've got the biomechanics, we've got programming, we've got meat day handling. No, so, I would, but, know, the, but that fourth one, maybe if you call it something, because that actually does matter to a lot of people, is the culture. Like, the coaching culture of that thing. Like, the, it does kind of matter to them. So, I think that might actually be an option. That might be part of the algorithm I create for it. Yeah. Th- yeah. This algorithm is going to be hard for you, Steve. <laughs> okay. So, what are we writing these on? One to, one to 100. Or one to ninety nine. One to ninety nine. All right. Um, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be very statistical on the game day handling. I'm gonna give myself a ninety three percent because, or ninety three out of a hundred because that was the percentile of lifts that my lifters made at the last Raw Nationals. I handled the most lifters that I've ever handled in a single meet at that meet, and that's the number of lifts that they made was ninety three percent. Nice. I would. Yeah. I would. I would probably put you a little higher just because. There's a bias Thanks. there, but <laughs> I would say 95, 96, but this is based off of no research or evidence. This is just me throwing a number out there. So And us making this up on the spot of what the criteria is in the first place. Yes, that, I think, that too. I think, like, statistically speaking, I think that, you know, just looking at the, the biggest instance of me handling people over a, over a period of time, I think that makes the most sense. If I'm being purely analytical about it, I would probably rate myself a little bit higher because I... In, as far as I can think, my like st- statistically speaking, all time is probably a little bit higher. But I think that that's a little bit, a little bit unfair because I've you know I've been better at some points and worse at some others. So I think like one specific instance each year that's, that repeats, I think, is a good good way to judge that. You know, also to help your your rating here, that's what kind of sold me onto you was you called my third deadlift. I thought even though I missed the lift, a spot on. <laughs> Third attempt deadlift selection, and 
you kind of you kind of subtly threw that in there after Kyle Power broke his American record in '93. After the primetime session, I talked to you. You're like, "Man, do I know how to call a deadlift or what?" I'm like, "I, I know, I know your game, Joe. <laughs> I know your game." But yeah, you called Pug. You called me. You called Kyle. Um, I, I say on the day I, I hit that, but that sold me on to you was your your ability to call some numbers. So. So. I, I would rate you higher, Joe. I would say 95 to 96. Okay. I'll here. accept it. I'll I'm, I'm saying in the realm of, like, because you're taking a very, like, objective 93%. In the realm of powerlifting coaches, that is something you are known for. Thank you. Like, All right. You know, sure. Top level coaches, you are known for meat day handling. People seek you out even though you aren't their actual coach to meet day handle. So I think to set a baseline of standard, I think a 95. Okay. Like, 99, Matt Gary. Oh, yeah, for sure. Dude does not Matt miss. Gary. I think 95 would be good for you knowing that Matt Gary is above, but going below that, I mean, I, I can't think of too many other coaches who are sought after as you for day handling. So I think 95 would be fair. All right, cool. Um, so what, what was the next one? Programming? Yeah. Programming. So uh, I will be, I'll be the first one to say, I, I feel like I, I bash on myself with this a lot because I feel like I'm always learning new things when it comes to programming, but especially over the past few years, I feel like I've gotten really good at getting more out of people that I work with, despite them being from different backgrounds and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, I would probably give myself, I'd probably give myself like a 94 there. It, uh, the 6% is probably just like the variability of like every now and again, when I don't know, things will just unexplainedly not go the way that they typically would. Um, which to be fair is a, is a decent amount of variability in terms of like percentage. Um, I don't know. That's just, that's where I'm, that's the, where the line of logic is there. I'm, I'm giving myself a, a wide enough percentage that it could apply to various different situations um, where things might not go according to plan. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. But also I'm going to like probably have Steve take this rating because I'm probably the worst person to be like, yeah, I think your programming's at 94. Like I have no fucking idea. Like I don't know what's happening. You give me the program. I'm like, sure. I have never programmed anyone to even have an opinion on this matter. I'm, I think that's a very fair rating. I, I'd agree with it. All right. Cool. You, you I'm know, glad I'm not. Yeah. You I'm know, it's going to be funny though. Like I get a coach on here and then they say, you know what? My programming's like a 74. Like, all right, well you just hurt your business immensely by saying that. <laughs> like I hope every coach that comes on here is like, I'm above a 90. Just so I have people pay for my coaching still. <laughs> I mean, if, if they were honest enough to, to like give themselves a bad rating, if they truly felt that their programming skill needed that much improvement, like, yeah. You know, I, I, I'd give them, I'd give them points for that. Now, would I send an athlete their way if, if I had like a full roster or something? Maybe not. I would love, I would love to have a coach out here and be like, you know what? My programming sucks, but I'm also, I'm good in the other two things. Like, okay, dude, you might want to not say that on a podcast anymore, but hopefully that ever happens. You come from a coach, I would hope every coach would rate them decently themselves decently high in programming. It's the other two where I think we see more variability because there's some people who yeah. don't even handle their clients on meat day so they have i was rating. i was surprised some coaches that don't really put much emphasis on biomechanics so programming is the one that i think most of us are going to be pretty high on and those other two are what kind of separate it yeah i was surprised a few lifters who are very very good just said i don't like my coach handling me on meat day i'm like huh okay I, that was new information to me but they explained it to me i'm like that makes sense i thought that was the norm considering that's what i've done 
but all right cool like i did not i did not know that so that's that's a very good point yeah i would hope most coaches would rate themselves high on programming all right yeah i would i would think so too um the last one's what like technique yeah biomechanics technique. considering the vast majority of my undergraduate degree was in motor skill and movement acquisition i i'm gonna rate myself a little bit higher here i'm gonna give myself a 97 on that i i understand cueing on a different level than most coaches do uh i can adapt cues if people don't understand it I can some sick phone angles when i'm filming response videos the most important part of cueing people yes i i could i i would account i would say 90 i would say probably yeah 97 well, actually, you know what? I'm gonna say your meat, your meat day handling. I think is your best skill matched to your biomechanics. So I would give them like the same thing, because it's occasionally you talk to me like in a way of like there's some words I don't understand. Uh, that might just be my stupidity, but also <laughs> just in the way you describe things, I'm like all right, I gotta actually look up what these things are. Um, yeah, I might be telling on myself here because I famously thought an adductor was in your back, so. I, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm probably just the bad, worst athlete to talk to anatomy with. I'm getting a lot of stares right now. That's not good. <laughs> I, okay. No, note to self, never talk to Angelo about his adductors. Damn. Yeah. You're like, you, you well, no, you put a ductor plank into the programming. I'm like, what the fuck's an adductor? And I thought it was in your back for probably five weeks. You, you know you can ask me when you don't understand something, right? I looked up the thing. All right, so here's what happened. I looked up the thing. I looked up the workout. And I'm like, okay, I've seen that before. But I'm like, how does it work out your back? And then I looked at what an adductor is. And I was like, okay, that's why. The, and, I under, and I understood why I was programmed in after I found out what an actual adductor was. Um, but yes, occasionally, occasionally the same moments like this, I want to save myself from embarrassing myself. So I I don't ask some of these really stupid questions, (laughs) but yeah, I would say 96, 97 is a fair rating for biomechanic uh, advice or technique tips. Okay. We got a rating 95.3. That's pretty good. I'll take that. I do do like the idea. So, like, just like with the lifters, we actually have a fourth thing, which is meet the execution that we rate separate and has an algorithm goes into it. It's not weighted the same. It's weighted differently. I actually think culture might not be a terrible one for that fourth one, and that's where we'll rate it. And then Yeah, we got to throw some, some like, things. Because how many people just – I mean, this is not a knock to Joey, but how many people just really like getting coached by Joey because he has the culture attached to him? That's the thing, though. Like, I, I mean, I mean, I'm gonna go to Westside. I would. I mean, Joe Cronin was talking about this. I actually know Joe. You were talking about it. I think there's a very big reason Westside worked because of the culture and not just the training system. I think there's a very big reason for Joey's success and the culture he's created of just like this fun atmosphere of competition between his people. And I think there's a lot to that um, that we've actually seen throughout powerlifting through many centuries of culture being a big aspect of that team that kind of can supersede the actual ability of the program and biomechanics and whatnot at times. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. I can agree with that statement. Admittedly, we, we don't have like a, a team Joe hashtag, uh, partially because I work for a company. Uh, but also, also I, I will say we do have a little subgroup of people that Angelo is part of, and that's Joe's deadlift adventures. 
Yeah. True, but I mean that. Yeah, that I. I mean, I love that. Uh, that like little thing that we created because that's and that's what um happens when people reach out to coaching from me to you. They're like, man, he coaches so many good deadlifters. I'm like, yeah, right. You should get coaching from him if you want to improve your deadlift. Uh, <laughs> Which I don't know how how that happened. To be honest, <laughs> like I don't. It's not like I do anything like extra magical with people's deadlifts. Yeah, really, that was the one thing you didn't touch that much for mine. It was some programming things and some new things, but you really didn't do a whole lot of like, okay, we gotta we gotta change your deadlift. Like, no, you just we kept we left that one alone for a little bit. If I can, if there are any budding coaches out there that are listening to this, if I can be so inclined as to impart some advice when you're working with somebody who is literally sample size equals one, do not change things that are working just because the grass may be greener on the other side. <laughs> I should have made Sean Noriega squat really close and stop marching. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Definitely. I thought I was supposed to, I've been trying to, I've been trying to get him to close stance squat. Yeah. I thought, I thought you should have done that. I thought I was going to get, you know, you can't, I thought I was going to start pulling a hook rip after I got cooking from you because yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. The face, the face is very telling there. Carbs. I, mean, I don't know why Joe still has you eat carbs. I would make you stop eating all pasta. Oh god, dude, we need all the calories right now. <laughs> it can mean sushi. Listen would... to Japanese music; it's his kryptonite. Uh, well, hey, all right, hold on, because I got a lot of things. I'm not anti-Japanese culture, everyone. I, <laughs> I love my sushi, dude. You know what the funny thing is? I was this close to watching Attack on Titan, this close, and why didn't you? I, what's it available on? Hulu. Hulu, yeah. Okay, that that makes sense because I was on Amazon Prime looking for this thing. I had to. They're like, sorry, it's not available right now. I'm like, you know what? It should be available on Amazon I Prime. Punchy roll login if it means you watch anime. I no, save. I have to save. I have to save. I have to save this bet with Nico. Yeah, I have true. to. I have to hold this. I have to hold this thing to a standard because now he challenged me and I don't. Now I just don't want to on um, principle because. Actually, Ashton Roscoe was about to give me his Hulu information just so I could watch Attack on Titan. It really, honestly, it really I, is. I don't good. doubt it's a bad show. Now I just love making fun of anime people. Now that's my biggest joy. <laughs> it's, that's okay. my that's my happiness. So do I? I might bring down the coach, uh, the coach T or Coach Joe Stanek, uh, the culture down by me being the biggest anime hater. Hey, hey there's you, no, there's nothing in the in the Joe Stanek code that says you have to love anime or lift to anime music there's nothing there spin zone you're gonna get a lot of people who hate anime get coached by you now because you're like angelo gets coached by him like let's let's uh huh. let's, let's let's see if they can coexist gee not me not me with the the anime flag in my home gym and the anime background <laughs> on my computer and the first song that i click play on on my phone being an anime ost oh, okay no. all right just stop. all right we get it. We get it. Just, <laughs> I don't need. I don't need all that information. But so, all right. So we come down to a ninety. I actually. So hold on. Before we end this up, what will we give the culture of Joe TSA? Like we have to put do, a little do, number. Do on you right? worse, I don't. I don't know that I'm. I'm the best in this situation. So well, how I've been doing the algorithm is like a seventy-five would be average. Like that would be a very average score. Okay. Um. It's, it would be hard to say Joe culture. Exactly. I'm thinking more of TSA. Combination there. 
I would say, I mean, there's still a team culture. You're a very large team. Yeah. It's above average. I don't know if it's in the nineties though, because it doesn't have the same, it's, it's not to the same level as some other teams we see. So I would say 82. Is that fair? I would say, say 80, so. I would say 85 for TSA. That's one of the more well-known like coaching, you know, stables out there. The most coaching but is, is being, is being known, known as a coaching group, actually culture though. I, I think there's some pride being, a, I do think there's some pride being a TSA athlete just from my standpoint. Like I do take some pride. Like, all right, this is, you know, Bryce Lewis, Hani, Eric Joe. Those are some well-respected names that the, like the powerlifters, powerlifter really respects and knows. And I do, I, I personally take pride in being a TSA athlete. Like I do, I because I respect all those guys so much. I get that. I was a TSA athlete. Definitely took pride in. Here, this is where I'm just coming from, though, is that I don't see TSA athletes from around the entire group as connected with each other mm-hmm. as I see with other groups, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would agree. And that, that's partially, it's actually like almost like a TSA is so big in the sense of like having four coaches and having athletes throughout it versus like Joey's one coach. Um, I'd say Marcellus has a pretty good culture. He's one coach Yeah, uh, where it's a bit closer niche. So there's, there's, there's some things within that. That's where like you're above average. It's not below average, below average would be like, you don't have any culture and you're a small team, but I think there's multiple factors that kind of go into it. I, look, 80, I think you said 84 Angelo. I would be very okay. I'd be very up for that. I think that's, that would be a very fair rating. Yeah. I think I was nitpicking too. Cause you said 83 or 82. Like you said. So I, I just only went up two points. So I guess that's like we can find in the middle and go eighty three. Just to... it's a good solid number, eighty three. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I, I guess I, I guess that's uh, that's upon us now to, to improve the culture of TSA. Got to we got to create some uh, little little fun rivalries. Let's yeah. get let's just Joe's get. Tra- Avenger needs to be more public, or Joe's deadlift Avengers needs to be more publicly trash talking each other. Yeah. Mm, okay. So who's who's gonna have more? Because like at the moment, I'm trying to think. I think at the moment, Angelo, you're the only one who has at one point held an unofficial world record. I mean, I guess because I'm not actively coaching you, you right now. But I mean, I guess technically, since he's kind of in the group too, I guess it's just the two of you that that have the. Uh, so yeah, let's let's get you and you you shit talking each other. That sounds. That oh sounds yeah, good. I, I mean shit talk the friendliest person in the history of powerlifting. That's gonna go <laughs> great. <laughs> to, yeah, the most friendly person in the history of powerlifting to the most surly person in the history of powerlifting, like the 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 cynic of powerlifting community who actively pokes fun at anime fans. Yeah, that's gonna be a great rivalry. <laughs> when oh, yeah, you yeah. just you, smiles you the entire time, man. like ah. It's, Angelo, he's a great guy. Like, all right, you, you're not fucking fun to do this with. You you use next level team anime, dude. Dude oh, has yeah. the laptop with the anime on while he's training. Yeah, it'll it'll never trash talk will never work with him because he'll just laugh and compliment me the entire time and say nothing mean in return because he is one of the nicest guys ever. So, um, I I mean, you do have the villain on the team, so he's a deadlift defender. You got Pug. True, I do. Yeah, you got Pug on there. Yeah, so. but he, his his deadlift his deadlift wasn't an unofficial world record though. I'm trying like I'm I'm trying to think like well, we where gotta, we got to still find some levels here to it. I mean, if there's just one guy, I could keep Pug with Angelo just for fun. We need to get that going. That would be good. 
Wait, what's up? You and you and uh, you and Jimmy Villanueva could could start could start a little rivalry. God, yeah, he is so. Uh, can we pick someone who's a little less likable? Because he's so nice. <laughs> he, Jimmy he nice. Jimmy wanted to take a picture with me at Raw Nationals, and no one was taking pictures of me at the Raw Nationals. Like he was taking pictures with all the guys you would expect, like Noriega, Russ, Candido. He asked to take a picture with me. I wasn't even prime time. Like how the I can't. Maybe I'll maybe I'll try to start. Maybe I'll start shit talking to Lakers and Los Angeles. There you go. Beef with CB. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not? With the he's, sponsor of the podcast. He's yeah. more like the squad Avenger, but okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, I'll just yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll bite. I'll literally bite the hand that feeds. What's up? You both squat. Like, I mean, your squat's going up now, but CB squatted six hundred. You what squatted six thirteen? Six six oh six. All right. I mean, that's even for now. That could be that could be a fun little rivalry. The uh, CB CB's uh, the end of his cycle's coming up here soon too. So I, I'd say he's due for a, a new new little squat PR there. Nice. Yeah. I love I love how your rivalries picked for me are people who are really friendly and the person who sponsors the podcast. Like none of this will blow up in my face at any point. <laughs> Not at all. No. CB is down for a rivalry though. He'll try yeah. to yeah, for sure. He needs that cloud up. I, that's what I told him. Like we need, we need to bump that cloud up for just CB alone, just so people. I can... keep telling him he needs to do a meet because he's he's strong. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that could be the rivalry, just me pushing to do a meet, but we'll see. Yeah. Remains to be seen. I think I'm accidentally working myself a rivalry with uh, Perk because I keep on making fun of him on two white lights. So, yikes. Which. It's, it's funny. It's all compliments too. I just want to see how many compliments I could give him before he stops saying he's overlooked. That's my goal. It's seeing like how many, how many, how many nice things can I say about Perk before um, he will actually stop putting on a story that he's being overlooked and disrespected. Like, okay, we can, we, we can work with this Perk. I could tell you every week that you're the greatest lifter in 74 or the second best totally, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how many compliments it takes. Oh no! no I, I was going to say uh, just thanks for having me on, and just real quick again, if if you guys uh, agree with the stuff that I had to say, as far as the athlete rep goes, as soon as the information on voting is public, I would really appreciate your vote. All right, and yeah, and thank you for that information. I know you have my vote already. Um, I would still like you for to email me over some of that information for some of the other spots in the USAPL. And Steve, I see you're drinking on somebody drinking on tonight. Uh, Breckenridge Vanilla Porter. Very good choice, sir. Um, I didn't drink tonight because my coach is here. So I for six weeks. Yeah, this is supposed to be a whole new tradition. We're supposed to drink a beer on the podcast together, and then all of a sudden, I was ditched this time. The first yeah, time I do it. I'm sorry. I actually, and I don't say I don't have any beer in my fridge right now because I've been I've been drinking the uh, the Miller Light. Oh, wait, I, I was supposed to say I've never seen you drink on the podcast. <laughs> never actually. Yeah, it's not like I post it openly on my Instagram. But usually, yeah, six six weeks out, I kind of dial. We, we we've been kind of dialing it down. Did that for Midwest Prime Time, but recently I've been drinking Miller Lights to cut down on some kales. Which... I mean, it, admittedly, this this meat we've got coming up is kind of a t- tune up meat, so it's not like the worst thing. Um, I I think I should just stop drinking as much. That's like kind of that's always been the thing. <laughs> it's like stop doing it as much because uh, not even powerlifting, just life in general uh there's studies that show that um if you drink too much it's not good from what i understand really yeah i think there's warning labels i think there's warning labels on the the, the thing sometimes 
Jeez. Yeah. Huh. So Shoot. that's that's why I like try to cut down on uh on the alcohol, but uh, I'll I'll probably join you soon, uh, Steve, because we got a show. We we still got to record, you know the uh, the 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 main parts of the show. So I'll, I'll join you then. But and we are back. Thanks again, Joe Sanic, for coming on the show. He's been on like I think that might have been his fifth time on Two White Lights. So he's almost at the legal leader of being on Two White Lights. But always welcome guest Joe Stanek. Him versus Sean are going to battle it out. I, 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 unfortunately, I don't think as a co-host I apply anymore. No, absolutely not. So I lost the the ability to be able to kind of start keep counting. So it's going to be Sean versus Joe on who's on the most. Yeah, well, we're creating more awards for Two White Lights, so you might get co-host of the year. You're definitely, oh, yeah, you're definitely in the candidacy for co-host of the year. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I might I actually might put myself in there too because co-host. Co co-host host, who knows? Who knows who who knows who wears the hats around here? But we have our Texas Strength Classic preview, our breakdown for their primetime session. We promise we'll do it, and we're excited to do it because we've been clamoring for primetime sessions to be more at these local meets, and we finally got one. And I think this is a really great way to start off that little primetime trend because um, your meet Midwest primetime was fantastic. A lot of people loved it, but this one was a bit different because it actually kind of your vision of what a primetime session should be. It should be a local meet and then regular session. Then you have the primetime session. And with the amount of lifters who are going to this one, it's like the perfect balance of, Really good lifter, really good mid-level lifters, and a couple of like true world-class type lifters that we can really talk about here. Yeah, I think this, like I we talked about, this is probably more repeatable. Like, there's some other primetime events, like we see Carolina primetime. We'll probably eventually do a, a show on that. Oh yeah, that one's just a little bit harder to be repeatable. Um, where this, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is Texas Strength Systems in Texas. This is probably something they could keep doing if they want to, since they always have these big meets. I mean, I think he's running meets every single weekend. They're going to have these big name lifters in it just because of the the, the talent pool they have down there. So um, hopefully this is just one of many in the chain of Texas meets with these primetime sessions. And um, yeah, I mean, we've got some crazy lifters. we got people traveling in from East Coast, I think maybe West Coast, definitely the East Coast, but lots of lifters traveling in for this one, which is making it more than just a Texas meet. It's it's, it's making it a, a semi-national meet in the sense of kind of some of the competitors coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to look at that. And, I mean, yeah, like you said, Texas has so much opportunity to do this. The one that Jesus and Michael C. Compete, uh, competed at um, a few months back, that could have actually turned into a primetime session, too just based on the amount of high-level lifters that were going to compete that day or that weekend. So, yeah, we see the possibility for that. And also, I'm I'm just loving what I see from Carolina Primetime. I see power rankings, and I get excited. Yeah. If you guys don't follow Carolina Primetime, make sure to do that because they got the Primetimes up, and I'm happy about it. Yeah. No, I love it. So, and yeah, I mean, the Texas Strength System meets, I'm sure, I mean, I, I – encourage everyone support this watch the live stream reach out to them let them know they love it because i'm sure like you said they have plenty of meets that have people like michael c and jesus Oliveras. they have these meets with these lifters so and this shouldn't be very hard for them to be able to put on consistently 
Um, so as long as they're seeing support, they're seeing the sponsors with Left Law Bros coming in. Um, they have a good live stream. I think you just said before we started recording, uh, Christian Chestnificent is going to be on the live stream announcing or MC. I, I, I've heard this is a rumor. I don't have it confirmed, but I believe he's just putting together the live stream because he's wicked smart and can do that stuff. Um, yes. I don't know about the whole announcing situation. Um, maybe they should get Gage carry on to do it. He's, he's usually one with words. So, uh, maybe Gage can step in and do it. That would, that would be poetry on the mic. Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to see how many, how many times he brings up that he's single on the mic, uh, before, <laughs> before he actually talks about, about lifting, but all right. So where, where do we want to start with the uh, Texas strength classic? Uh, I think with meets like this, I think we got to lead with the biggest stories. Yep. Yep. I think we got three main stories and the big one, and probably the reason this became what it is, is Sean and Ashton. Yes. Sean Noriega, Ashton Rouska. Um, I don't know who was signed up before, but I feel like Sean let it off when he signed up and kind of posted about it. I know then Alex Sidor signed up, Aiden Raider signed up. A couple of, it just kind of became kind of a rolling effect from there. Uh, but yeah, obviously we've got Sean and Ashton two of the top five lifters in the U S based on GL score in the same meet. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them have stuff at stake. And I, I, I think probably um, leading into nationals, I would say I'm a little bit biased, but I think you agree here. Sean probably has more at stake here and kind of what this meet means leading in the storylines going into nationals. Yeah, for sure. I think, I, I do think it's the most compelling thing and I'll explain why, because I, I think, when you take Sean and what he can do, and that is potentially dethrone Russ Orhe, who has had a stranglehold on the division for a long time, that's always going to be, I think, the biggest story. Whenever you have a contender coming up and putting a meet together that could put him in a great position to dethrone the king is, is always going to be huge. And this meet seems to be the stepping stone. Now, with Ashton Ruska, on the other hand, I think he is dead set on just continuously trying to raise the bar for the highest good lift points ever. At this point, I think till he gets to Ron Ashles, till he gets another crack at Bryce and Mikey D, he is going to be solely focused and motivated on continuously increasing his lead on good lift points because he knows what Atwood's going to do at Ron Ashles. He knows what he's potentially going to do. He's just going to keep on doing me, or he's going to put himself to do meets where he is going to just try to continue to raise that bar. Yeah. Um, and I think with Ashton, too, I don't know if it's part of the plan, but obviously Ashton has had some issues with um, meet day execution in Ashton. against Wilson and against Bryce in 2019, where he should have, I mean, based off pure strength, he should have won. Like he was, everyone assumed he was going to win. Um, and he just didn't quite have his best performance on those days. So I don't know if it's kind of, he usually competes pretty often, but I'm sure this is partially to him and Marcellus possibly wanting just more data points to kind of nail down this peak. So, I mean, the, the, the winter records, he did a great job. They, they did a phenomenal job. I think mm-hmm. he only missed that final deadlift. Um, so I'm sure they're going into this to try and see if they can replicate that. And if they can, they know how they have a very good setup going into nationals to actually display his strength on that stage so that he can, he can have that national meet that he's been waiting for. Um, and then with Sean, um, I mean, he's kind of said this a couple times in comments and whatnot, but I mean, the goal going in with this is the current unofficial world record and the American record 
uh, or the current world record and the American record set by Russ at IPF Worlds in 2019 is 833 kilo. So the goal is simply 835. Okay. Um, he shouldn't need to empty the tank to do that. Um, and we don't plan to, we plan to go nine for nine and establish that as a standard, because that's also been an issue Sean's had is, is, uh, I want to say meet day performance, but, um, I don't, I don't believe he's ever had a nine for nine meet. So he wants to set that as a standard. So he builds off of that 835 kg total, leave a little bit in the tank, um, to, to leave some question marks of what is actually there come June. Yeah. And I do think that's the lead is Noriega's meet because, even even if he's not going for you know an RP ten or a true one rep max in all three lifts, whenever you're trying to approve upon a total that's already very very good, it's it's still challenging. Uh, people assume that it's going to be locked in that you're guaranteed to get that, and it's just not the case. So that's why him trying to improve upon, I believe he totaled eight twenty eight twenty five eight twenty five. Yep. Yeah. So eight twenty five last meet. Trying to improve just ten kilos on that is difficult, but when you but right now weight weight training's going for him. I think he could totally do that, but it's just going to come down to execution for him. Can he execute those lifts and can he go nine for nine? I think that's the biggest question mark for him, and it's it's a difficult thing. It's not the easiest task. Um, like just turning around like for the next meet I'm doing. It's just to put a little bit more kilos in my total to total 800 and people are like, oh, easy, you got that. Like, no, going nine for nine is always difficult. And it's it, there's a high pressure situation and Sean's going to be going through that. And if he can get himself a world record total or an unofficial world record total, well, it's going to, no, it's going to be the American record total, right? Because um, I hope, I think it will, as yeah. long as they have national rest, which I assume they're going to for the prime time. It, it still counts until June 1st that you can set American record totals at local meets. Okay. So yes, it can, it can be the American record total. Yeah, so if he can do that, then he is going to be in such a good position for Raw Nationals, and it's going to be, it's going to be huge leading up to Raw Nationals, because just a, with a little bit of a mind game, too, with yeah. Russ, like, hey, you're no longer head and shoulders above the competition. I am right up on your I'm right up on your heels and if you have a poor performance at Raw Nats, it looks like there's gonna be a changing of the guard. So this I, I'm really excited to see Sean compete. I think it might be biased because I'm an eighty three K uh KG lifter, but that this is for me, this is why I'm gonna be watching the meet for the most part, is really watching what Sean's gonna do. Yeah, and if he does what he should, I mean it sets up the storyline to very much match two thousand eighteen, where Russ was the favorite. You still, you still assume Russ had a little bit of a lead, but it's going to set up the storyline to know that Russ can't do in 2019 again. He can't have nope. that kind of meet, or else he's going to leave the door open because Sean is right on his tail. But Sean very much had a chance in 2018 because Russ didn't have a great meet in 2018 either. Sean had that door open, but unfortunately he had the, uh, the water cut issue and the hydration issue. But, um, yeah, I think if he does what he should here, it sets up Sean versus Russ and Jesus versus Ray as probably the two biggest storylines going into the Nationals. You could say Ashton versus Bryce, but if Ashton continues to build on 2095 as his total right now, I don't want to say it's not a storyline, but like he, he's, he's elevating himself. I think it's Sean versus Russ and Ray versus Jesus that will probably be the biggest storylines on the men's side going into Nationals if this goes as planned. Yeah, for sure. I, and I also would say Atwood Perk. I would say Edward Perk might be a storyline going into Raw Nationals, but 
For my for yeah, for at least my opinion, I would probably go Nori Russ. I, I think it's just a bias there. I think the actual the crowd might be saying Jesus Ray. But yeah, I'm really excited to see that uh kind of unfold. And I mean and then really when you look at Russ's last mock meet where I think he, he weighed in substantially over eighty three kg. I think he was around eighty seven, eighty eight kilos. Yeah, um, he, was in the, he was in the low one nineties. Yeah, so um, I think Joey on your podcast, I think it was on your podcast, yeah. but he just basically said the judging was they were giving him stuff. I mean, we know we're fast, and then it looked like he might have hit depth, but we don't have a great angle there. But like, it, it was a mock meet. That's not a real meet. I mean, we know that like, and it's something that gets rust, but we know that when he has to cut down to eighty three, it it changes things. He's oh yeah, not, he never hits those same numbers in the gym and the in the meet because he is going to lose a little bit of strength because he he's a heavy heavy eighty three. Yeah. And what was the – do you remember the total, what it was that mock meet? 865. 865. I think with a weight cut, I, I would say it's safe to put him at about 840. I would say I was, with consistent judging, weight cut. 845. Yeah. I, I've, been, I've been thinking for a while, 83 is going to have to hit 850 to win nationals in 2021. Yeah, I would I would agree with you on that one. I think that's going to be the total of beat as you got if you go eight fifty or more. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I could I could agree with you on that one. I was, th- I mean, you can't ever assume it's going to be lower than what the world record is, and especially what the two guys are going to put up. Yeah, but I would say he was probably he's probably good right now for eight forty. So or at that meet at least. So if Noriega can get himself in a range of eight thirty five with some in the tank then you all of a sudden have a different nationals. And and, and again, and the other uh, variable here is just how long it's been since Russ has made that weight cut and competed. Where Nori has been fresh. I mean, did one in 2020, did fantastic. His best meet, in my opinion, in his, in his powerlifting career was the one where he went eight for nine. And the only thing he missed was his opening squat. So... A great meet from him there, and then he's going to do this one. Then he has nationals. He's fresh. He's ready to go. Where Russ hasn't been on the platform in a long time. Setting up a new standard too, because I know. I mean, this is something with Sean, and kind of why sometimes the meet still goes planned is he's always chasing Russ. Yeah. At the eight twenty five meet and this meet, he's not chasing anyone. He just is worrying about himself. Yeah, and that's a good thing. That's you know what, come nationals, yes, you are competing against Russ, and this is a thing for any competitor competing that, but. You got to hit your own lifts first. Like you, you do have to kind of chase, but like you, you can't chase if you aren't hitting your own lifts. So, so I know Sean feels less pressure, and so therefore he he is a bit more relaxed going into these because there isn't some expectation of I have to do X because I think Russ is going to do X. So I, I fully expect this to go really well, set up a very good storyline, and and be the start of some fun leading in the gym. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about Ashton Rouska then. So I alluded to it earlier, I think Ashton Rouska's main motivation, which, by the way, this guy doesn't need a whole lot to get motivated. If he sees a goal that is set for him, he is going to do everything he can to accomplish that goal. Um, just talking to him on so many different occasions, it's very easy to motivate Ashton Rouska. So if it's just he has to compete against himself and see how far he can get that good lift points to go, he is going to do that. He is going to see – nothing is ever satisfactory towards the guy. It is always going to be how much more of a lead he can build and how long he can keep that lead. Because right now he does not have to worry about the 105s 
because this is not Nationals. He simply is just going to put in the best meat he can to annihilate the rest of the USAPL and IPF. Well, I just pulled it up, so I hadn't thought about this. I mean, not only one, does he want the highest good lift points in the history of the IPF, but he is 40, 50-something pounds away, 49 pounds away from beating Yuri Belkin as the biggest total ever at 231, or really 220, because Ashton weighed 217 in the last meet. But, I mean, he's about to take Belkin's record, and Belkin did it on a deadlift bar. Yeah, oh. And now not under the same standards, 24-hour weigh-in and not the same hormone yeah. makeup. Actually, let me uh, DM Ash really quick and tell him that so we can just get extra motivated for the meet. Because if I if you just tell him, like, hey, dude, you could possibly surpass Yuri Belkin on a yeah. much stricter set of standards, that will be enough for him to be like, all right, I'm going to try to, you know, uh, surpass him. He's going to at some point because Belkin's kind of – seem to kind of top out. He hasn't really kind of pushed past what he's done in a while. So Ashton, yeah, that, that would be, I didn't even think about that. That's crazy though. The fact that he's prop, he's very likely this year going to pass Belkin as the strongest person in the world at that weight class, regardless of anything. Yeah. And really, if you ever need motivation to watch a live stream or a meet, it's just, you're going to be watching arguably the best lifter in the world right now compete. And Ashton Roska, he is, I, I would say right now, I guess this is where you can get these contentious sports debates, but in the power rankings for two white lights, I'm had him number one, and I'm going to consider him the best lifter in the USAPL and IPF, surpassing Atwood simply because of the good lift points. And whenever you have an opportunity to watch the best lifter in the world, do it. It's amazing, especially especially when you start getting to the 105 weight class. That's because I think... There's not a person in this world who is not going to appreciate the amount of weight that Ashton is going to move. It's going to be impressive to anyone. Where Atwood, I mean, to the bigger guys, it might not necessarily get them excited because, like, oh, you know, a 600-pound squat, really? We see that a lot in the heavier weight classes. Ashton Roscoe, all of his lifts are head turners. They're going to astound you. I feel like even just seeing on the two light lights page, I feel like Ashton is the most uh, respected lifter from the untested side looking at tested. Like oh. those guys, Ashton is untouchable and he's not even on their side. So, I mean, he, I think him and hack, they're one and yeah. one and one B in the sense of just the level they're going to on the, on the male side. Like if we go to the female side, looking at like Amanda Lawrence and Daniela, but on the male side, Ashton and John, untested and tested, those two are just doing things that no one else is even close to right now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think if you're a fan of powerlifting, you're a fan of Ashton Rouska, always. It's just going to be, I mean, really, even if you're not a fan of powerlifting, if you're a fan of fitness, because he's jacked as fuck. So he's jacked, he looks good lifting the weight, and the weight he's lifting is incredible. Yeah, so. Competition. That's the always thing I most respect about him the most is he always finds a way to find harder competition, such as like it was a 2018 collegiate Nats. He competed in the equipped division just so that he actually, but he did it raw just so he could actually have some competition. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh that's why, that's why I said it's not hard to motivate the guy. He is always going to be competitive. He is always going to find a different way to challenge himself. 
And that's not really easy to do when you're that level of great. And I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I have no idea if this is a goal of his, but I know Amanda Lawrence has the highest good lift points overall. That might be a goal for him. Have the higher, yeah. highest good lift points regardless of gender. So uh, he's got, he's got a couple things there that he could aim for at this meet. I don't know what the main motivation is, but between the highest good lift points between beating Jesse, between beating Amanda and then beating Yuri, he's got three things there that, definitely can be motivation for him. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. You don't have to know what flight he's in. We don't have to answer. There's no question of like, what flight is Ashton Rouskin? in? He is lifting at 6 p.m. that Saturday night, central time. Yeah. So everyone can know. You can tune in. That's the whole point of why this primetime thing works is because we know at 6 p.m. Saturday night, February 27th, all of these lifters are going to be lifting. And you can watch them in one sitting for four hours and see them all lift without having to sit there and take breaks and wonder when's the next time Jamal, Jamal Browner's coming up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're still going to get questions on a live stream if they have the chat going on where's Ash or where's Nori, just because I don't think people know how, uh, how competitions work 90% of the time, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's great that you have that because you get to watch the, the best guys compete at a certain time. So, I'm really excited for that. Um, and from my understanding, just talking to Ash, I he did this meet because I think he always does this meet. I think this is just a meet he loves doing. Uh, he's a Texas guy. I know he doesn't live there currently, but he's a Texas guy. And he's always had a great time competing at this meet. So I think that's why he did it and to compete with his friends. A lot of a lot of people within the Texas strain systems, they are, they are very communal. They are friendly with one another. So I think that's why, but... When you start raising the stakes a little bit, you're going to expect a really good meet from Ash, and I'm I'm definitely excited to see uh, what what he does that day. So that that those that third storyline there, we have some of the teen sensations going. We got um, Alex Lucklow, Lucky Luciano, Aiden Raider, and someone who's on the primetime section, but I feel like we have to mention him is Alex Sidor. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure the reason. Alex is lifting on Sunday. Uh, I'm not sure the complete reason. But the fact of the matter is, is, I mean, all three of those guys are team phenoms. And they are team phenoms that we more alluded to in that episode that we see them as continuing to dominate. Like, they're, mm-hmm. the, they're, they're the framework of people we see actually being able to carry this out and being open lifters one day and being top-level open lifters. So, um, I know Aiden, I think he kind of leads the pack in this. I mean, he's got a 102.6 good lift score. I mean, he's already... Um, I don't know what his plans are for nationals, if he's doing open or we're going to try to, but I mean, he would already be a primetime level lifter at 83 and competing there, especially with the progress he's still having and looking at deadlifting well over 700 at this meet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alex, I'm not sure his exact numbers, but I think he's probably pushing close to like a 1600 pound total, which again is a 18 year olds insane. And then Alex Lucklow looks like his best numbers are 529, 336, 611. Um, at a 1477 total. Um, I don't follow him as closely, but I'm sure he's looking to go over that 1500 barrier, 100, 100 point GL score. But all of those will just be fun to watch because those are the kind of guys that like, just because of the progression they're having right now, they're typically going to come in and have a, a, a monster meet because they're progressing so fast that every single meet's going to be a pretty big uptick over the last one. So that's always just fun to watch. Oh yeah, for sure. And if you're watching all three of those guys, I mean, if you want to watch the future of powerlifting, I know it gets talked about a lot what the future of powerlifting is going to be, who are the future stars. These are real. These are three real good guys to take a look at and to pay attention to and watch them perform and compete. 
they do it the right way. Um, they are extremely hard workers. They move an impressive number, and they are teetering on being great open lifters too. Uh, but I will say this. I would say with Aiden. Aiden may be a little biased here. I'm good friends with Aiden. He's from Illinois. So maybe that's why I have a, a bit of a connection here. But this meet, I say, is going to spotlight how good this fucking kid is. Because at Midwest Primetime, I said he was the best performer of the weekend. I know I technically won on good lift points. But he was the best performer on that weekend. He destroyed numbers for his A-class. Uh, he destroyed records for his age group. He went 9 for 9. He executed his lifts beautifully. Went nine, just, just absolutely perfect meat from him. It looked like he had everything like an RP9. Didn't really seem to struggle with anything either. And this meat, he is going to get that prime time session where people are going to be viewing him just to let people know how good he is. Because yeah. I see a big meat coming from him. I see some numbers, and I do see him being in that top 10 contention 83, and he's only 19 years old. People will see him too because I know I think Sean posted on his and Aiden pulled that 700 the other day or 705. Sean posted, "You better not out pull me." They're probably going to be pulling pretty similar numbers. So if you're watching Sean, you're going to see Aiden whether you know who he is or not because they're going to both be 83 and pulling well into those low sevens and probably battling out to who has the highest debt. Now I shouldn't say who has the highest deadlift in that session because we're going to get to Gregory Johnson in a second, but yeah. at least highest deadlift for 83s in the meet. Oh yeah, oh for sure, and uh, Aiden. Aiden is another one of those guys where if you this this changes from powerlifter to powerlifter. When he posts something on Instagram, it's a really good indication of what he's going to hit at the meet. He's not one of these guys who has to cut down a super huge amount of weight. He probably sits at 83 and a half to 84 kilos. So, he's good there. If you see him pull, I think he pulled um 320 yesterday, 325 or 320. It was 705, so I think 320. Yeah, three, yeah, yeah, 320 yesterday. He is going to, I I can almost guarantee he's going to pull at least 320 in comp and possibly 325 to 330. Because yeah. there's no there's no drop-off with him. He's that good of a lifter, and he's, he's efficient with everything. He's technically proficient, and I think he's just going to do extremely well, and I think this is going to be kind of the coming-out party for him where you're going to start – he's actually going to be looked at as the future of the 83KG division because right now I think few people in like the close circles of powerlifting know this, but I think more of the general population of powerlifters are going to know this after this meet, that this dude, in two or three years, he's going to be in that top three position and possibly number one. Yep. And then, yeah, and Alex – American record deadlift. What's up? And battling you for the American record deadlift. Yeah, yeah, I have to, I have to push it, man. I have to push it. I have to push it above three forty, definitely. I gotta go. I gotta go into those three fifty to three sixty ranges now because I could. The he, he is that. I I really see him being the guy who can easily do it. Like in two years, who's just pulling seven fifty easy. He might have the most technically proficient deadlifts in the USAPL. Yeah, I mean that thing is beautiful. Yeah, really, and really the only thing he struggles with is grip strength, which yeah. that's actually not a bad problem to have. You can work on your grip strength. That's something you can actually, like, really work on. You could actually improve your grip strength. Some people with their leverages, just they, they will 
have an extremely hard next to impossible time getting to a certain number. If Aiden's biggest problem is he can't hold on to the bar at certain times, that's, that's, that's not a bad problem to have. You could fix that. You could work on getting that grip improved and he has the great leverages for it. And then, you know, his squat too, his squat doesn't get talked about a lot. He's, I, I think definitely going to be squatting over 600 this meet. I, yeah, I mean, he, see, I, I yelled at him. Remember. I yelled at him Midwest Prime Time because he did a uh, five ninety four. Yeah, and I was like, "Dude, come He's on!" But that will be interesting though, because that'll be. I, I think Aiden has the American record squat. I don't know if that was one he. I think he broke that. I think he holds that. But that will be interesting because I think uh, like Alex Sidor, uh, he's a little bit behind on the deadlift in total. It looks like, but they look like they might be able to have some fun for that American record squat. That oh yeah. Like that be close of who's going to come away with the biggest squat for the weekend. So I'm not sure the American records for the 74 teens. Um, I mainly know the American records for the 83 teens since I hosted the meet where Aiden broke all the records, but Alex I'm sure has to be somewhat close to 74 records um, with the numbers he's pushing there. So we might see some American, I, I don't know all the people that are going to be up for American records, but Sean will probably be up for an American record bench in total. Alex Lucklow, possibly American records for the team division. Aiden and Alex for sure. Um, we're going to get to Gregory Johnson in a second. He might be up for it for sure. I think uh, Santiago Ramirez, he's his deadlift. I think he has a junior American record for deadlift at 707. Okay. So potentially seven to eight people breaking American records in this primetime session. Oh, yeah. So. And you're, and you're going to see Aiden and uh, Santiago. Uh, possibly try to leverage each other for that American record junior deadlift because you're looking at 707 here from Santiago. You're looking for definitely 707 from Aiden. Let's see, you know, who can have the better pull that day. And they're both competing let's, in 83, so. Let's, let's look it up. Where's it at? 83 deadlift record. Joshua Broussard, 322.5. So, yeah, that's definitely going to be looking to go down. Oh, yeah. So. Yes. American record junior total, 810 kilos by John Hack, though, so that's probably not falling. No. Of course. Of course. John Hack finds his way to get into every sort of record. He's like Wayne Gretzky at this point. If you think there's a record, Hack has probably broke it. Yeah. Now, there was one thing that you mentioned that was interesting. I did not know this, and that was Gregory Johnson. Yes. So... Uh-oh. Um, looking outside of like, this is like, I mean, there's a lot of great lifters here, but Gregory Johnson's an interesting one. He's been a primetime lifter, at 105 kilo. Um, he's, he's good, but he's not like to Ashton and Bryce. Yeah. And he, he wraps good. up the show. He's the deadlift. He's a deadlifter. Who's going to be the last deadlift down on the platform. Yep. Last meet, 815 pound deadlift, big yep. deadlift. Interesting thing. I noticed he's not signed up at 105. He signed up at 93. Yeah. Um, if he can bring the same, I mean, he hasn't competed, I don't think, since 2019 Raw Nationals, so we really don't know what how his training's gone. But like, if he can just bring the same total, 1807, is that winning 93 like nationally? No, but it's super competitive. I think that what like, it's like 820 kg or something or 830 kg. Yeah, around that range. Um, the bigger thing, if he can hit 815 deadlift um, at 93 kg, that would be the American record. The current American record is 803 by Ashton at the Arnold. So that would be a big deadlift if he's going to be able to bring that at 93 kilo. 
Um, and he will for sure be finishing off that flight no matter what with whatever deadlift he's going to do. Because he's in, this is a two, I don't think we mentioned it, this is a two-flight meet. You've got the 74s to 93s or most of the 93s in the first flight. And the second flight is the 93s and up that are either equipped or raw. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Gregory's going to be in that first session with Sean and Aiden and Alex and, and a bunch of other really stout lifters. So, yeah, that, that's an interesting one. That's one that, like, yeah. um, if he was 105 kilo, it'd be fun to watch that deadlift. But the fact that he's 93, that brings a different element because that's that's huge deadlift at 93. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he is, a you know, the deadlift specialist. Um, a lot of people I've talked to at Raw Nationals in 2019 said he's legit one of the best deadlifters in the world one of their favorite deadlifters to watch. And that's where I saw him was at 2019 Raw Nationals. And yeah, whenever he deadlifts, it's a show. Um, I guess we're just speculating on why he's at 93 right now, but he's not exactly the biggest hit. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're, he's not exactly the biggest 105er. So I believe he, he was competing at like 220 pounds. So like he wasn't far off from being a 93 in the first place. And yeah. maybe seeing what 90, the 105s are going to now, he saw a 93 as being more of a, being more competitive there. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what he does. Uh, and again, if you're a fan of powerlifting, you get to see this guy's deadlift and there, you didn't have a whole lot of, t- you didn't have a whole lot of opportunities to see it because not a big social media guy. doesn't really post a lot. I didn't know much about him until I saw raw nationals. I instantly became a fan. So again, if you love powerlifting, tune into this live stream and you will get to see some of the most impressive lifts that you're ever going to see in powerlifting. It's 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 going to be a show. He's a showman. I'm on his IG right now. December 30th, he only had six pounds to go to get to 205. So he's definitely he's not going to have to do a big cut, and he is lean and jacked right now too. Yeah, dude is jacked. So oh, he's, he's jacked, jacked. He's he's big. Yeah. So yeah, no recent training footage. I don't think. Yeah, he doesn't. I I noticed that after I fought after I got hold of him after raw nationals it's just not a he's not a social media instagram guy he yeah, might so be one of those um adults that we hear about in powerlifting <laughs> yeah. one of those one of those adult people so yeah that'll just it'll just be interesting because we, we just don't know what he's going to bring but i that, that's going to be fun to see kind of what happens there so um but yeah i think that was kind of i mean there's like I said, there's a lot of great lifters here. Unfortunately, we can't cover every single one, um, but uh, it's going to be a great meet to watch. And I think those probably between Sean and Ashton, the Teen Sensations, and then Gregory Johnson at 93. That's kind of the, the, the three big storylines that not only are about this meet, but then set up things leading on, whether it's American records or looking in the nationals and what we're going to see there. Yeah, this is going to be this is going to be a pretty good like Raw Nationals preview. I know there's a lot of meets going on in March that might also dictate that as well. But this one, as far as just the high level lifters going, a uh, few of the biggest names in the USAPL and some of the future names in the USAPL are going to compete at. This is going to be for sure an entertaining one. And on top of that, it, there is going to be equipped lifting in there too. So when you're watching the live stream and notice that that could be a little bit of an educational uh, resource for you guys to like, oh, what's what's equipped mean? This is single ply. It's not multi ply. Be on the lookout for that as well, because when you have a prime time session like this and a lot of people at TSS do train single ply, they're going to have to combine it with the raw guys. And you're just going to see exactly how single ply lifting works to me. Yeah. Single ply lifting. I know I, I kind of get flack for it. I do not mind watching single ply lifting. 
No, because it's in the USAPL or the IPF and it's a standard. Like yeah. it's, it's very interesting. I know we got, we got one big equip lift. I mean, there's a couple of equip lifters, but the one big one is Ian Bell. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's known for his deadlift. I think he won the Arnold deadlift challenge this year. Maybe um, he's deadlifted eight, eight forty eight though. So, um, and the fact is, I mean, single ply doesn't help your deadlift near as much as it helps your squat and your bench. So the dude's yeah. just a big deadlifter. He just yeah. deadlifts a lot of minerals. So um, I'm sure he's going to be, well, actually him and Ashton might be battling out to who pulls last in that flight. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, you really can't wait to see that. You're going to see some heavyweights fly. You're going to see some big, big lifts. And I guess, uh, I guess you know, you would have to predict a winner here for best overall. I would have to say Ash, right? Just you have to say it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we. I I would love to be biased and say Sean, but I mean, Ashton's in kind of a, a world of his own. I mean, if he with his second attempts or openers, he might win best overall lifter. Yeah, probably second attempts almost. Yeah, you're uh, you're not really throwing anyone under the bus if you're saying that Ashton Rouska is going to beat you. He has quite literally beaten everyone almost in history in the IPF, and really with that, it's there's some debate that Ashton should still have that highest good lift points in the IPF and USAPL. Just anyway, just based on how Jesse Norris was, yeah, doing Jesse that wasn't meet. the same. So I don't know if you ever seen I, Jesse's love Jesse. I wish he had could have sustained and been able to keep going. But the meat where he had, had you ever seen the, the meat footage from when he got that highest good lift score? It was a, it was like a backyard meat, right? It was, a, it was just a local meat in Idaho. If it was nationals, I don't think he got some of those lifts. Yeah. And it was on pound plates. Yeah. Yeah. Backyard meat. So yeah. it's on the open IPF. It says that there, but it's, it's, it's a little different. So, um, so yeah, Ashton can just, it's just kind of like the, there's a little asterisk next to Jesse to an extent. I think Ashton at this meet very well could just eliminate that asterisk and just take that. So there's no more question of who has the highest. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. In history. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I can't, yeah, that's, that's going to be big. I, I would obviously pick Ashton as my winner as well. Um, not, not, I guess not the primetime session to be looking at who's going to win the best overall lifter. There's going to be a primetime session to watch some of the best lifters in the USAPL compete on the same platform. Um, and a lot of people making the travel, like you said, and you are going to make the travel as well, right? Are you going to get first row, first row seats at this? I'll, I'll be down there. All right. Awesome. I unfortunately won't be, but I'll be on my laptop checking out how I can view the live stream and probably writing up some notes that we can do a little bit of a fallout for two white lights. Perfect. All yeah, right. I mean, probably most people are going to tune in just to see me on the corner. I get that. Like I'm. Yeah. You're two white lights. Yeah, you're two white. You yeah, you gotta. We gotta represent the brand. Yeah, I gotta make a two white lights PRs collab T-shirt. That's what I need. Nice, I like that. I actually gotta get a PR performance T-shirt from you. I got you. I got plenty. Yeah, I gotta. I gotta. I gotta buy one. I don't like people sending me stuff for free. I gotta buy these things, like Nori stuff. White lights shirt for free. Yeah, I don't do that though. You didn't get it from me. (laughs) That's it's just different. That's not. That's not me doing that. (laughs) If it was me. No, you wouldn't have. I would make you pay for it. But no. CB is a much nicer guy than this. I am. CB's going to listen to this and message us both, and he's going to put together a collab t-shirt. Yeah, we, have, we probably have no choice in the matter. But all right, man. Well, you are going to be in San Antonio, Texas very soon. Have fun again. Um, and on Monday's show, we have a couple of teen sensations coming on. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, won't won't give you guys the names, but we got a couple of team phenoms 
uh, coming on the show that I should be able to interview great two fucking 19 year olds. It's going to be awesome. Happy for you. Happy for you. Uh, thanks, man. Thanks. Let, 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 me, let me check how happy I am. <laughs> All right. No, I'm looking forward to the show. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a really good time. Um, I'm processing how much fun I'm going to have right now. So we'll see you guys on Monday. Peace. What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We had on the program a very good friend of Two White Lights, my coach, Joe Stanek, and we talked about his candidacy to be the USAPL athlete rep. Me, Steve, and Joe had a great conversation about this, and really we needed Joe to come on to explain to us why this athlete rep is important. And what he is going to do in this role because me and Steve really didn't know exactly what the responsibilities are and Joe explains that to us very, very well and we know that if we didn't know it, not a lot of the listeners knew exactly what the responsibilities were. So he explains it all to us, why it's important, how it could help, how it could kind of alleviate some of the issues USAPL higher-ups are having with the athletes. He talked all about that. We also get into a little discussion about the IPF and the USAPL. Uh, USAPL took the IPF to court for not recognizing the record set at the Arnold. So we got into a great conversation about that. Joe is fantastic with that kind of stuff. So we talk about that. And he gives a coacher rating. Me and Steve are very proud that uh, we were able to do that because it was in a completely improvised sketch that we came up with criteria on the spot. Very fun conversation with Joe. We always love having him on the program. And also, we get into our Texas Strength Classic preview. That is going to happen February 27th. Primetime session. We love primetime sessions, so we got to talk about them. And there are a lot of storylines. We couldn't get to all the lifters, but the main storylines we tried to cover, such as Sean Noriega possibly going for an American record total, and the unofficial world record total, Ashton Rowska, whenever that guy competes, you it's much watch TV. So we talk a little about a little bit about that. The teen sensations with Aiden Raider, Alex Lucklow, and Alex Sidor. And uh, something that a lot a lot of people knew, Gregory Johnson, one of my favorite deadlifters to watch going on in 93. Me and Steve explained why that could have some major implications, along with all the potential records that could be broken at the Texas Strength Classic. We're excited for that meet that is going to happen next week, and this is the preview show to kind of get you ready for that one. But before we get into all that, got to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Not only are they sponsoring the Texas Strength Classic, they are a proud sponsor of Two White Lights, they're a proud sponsor of Jesus Oliveras, Abby Poston, and Angelo Fortino, and they help the powerlifting community. They try to uplift this community by giving you some of the best merchandise you are going to get on the market each and every one of their designs relates to strength sports or powerlifting in some way and you guys got to go on their instagram to check out some of the designs you are going to see the leflar bro family wear the merch and make it look pretty and i'm telling you guys you want to go on the website and check out what they have to sell because i'm loving what i see so far the cotton candy design that they're going out with right now is extremely popular. I love it. And 
It's, it's one of my favorite designs that they have. And also, you can get two White Lights merchandise on leftlawbros.com. That's right. Two White Lights merchandise is only available on leftlawbros.com. So the Fight Night tee, the original tee, the dad hat, the banners, all of it's on leftlawbros.com. And use promo code 2WL15, and you can save 15% off of all Left Lower Bros merchandise and all Two White Lights merchandise as well. Use that promo code 2WL15, one of the best discount codes in all powerlifting, to save yourself some money. And make sure you follow them on Instagram as well. Also, head to Rivalist.net and get some informed choice supplements that checkmark on the pre-workout branch chain amino acid protein, whatever you're putting in your body, is important. You will not fail a drug test if it has that informed choice label on it. USAPL lifters, that's important. So make sure you are going on Rivalist, getting yourself some informed choice supplements, and use promo code ANGELO15 to get 15% off of your order. Remember, ANGELO15, get 15% off of your informed choice supplements. Also, go to lift.net and get yourself some stoic gear. Use promo code ANGELO10 and get 10% off of knee sleeves, wrist straps, singlets, belts, you name it. Use promo code ANGELO10 and you will save yourself some money. Remember, they got the white label, the black label, the olive drab, the original logo. All of it's going to be on lift.net. Get yourself some stoic gear and get on Notorious Lift. Make sure you're following the Instagram and make sure you are following that newsletter. They are coming out with so many drops, I can't even explain it. No slip drip is a real thing. The best deadlift slippers on the planet. And not only are you going to help your performance, you're going to look good deadlifting too. And that's like 90% of it is looking good. The designs they are coming out with are fast and they are furious. And remember, they just don't sell these things on the website. You can't just go on there and buy whatever you want. you got to look out for those drops. So make sure you are looking out for those drops because you do not want to miss out on some of these designs. I'm telling you, with the designs they're coming out with now, you're going to want to get your hands on some of these. It, these color schemes are going to resonate with you in some way. So make sure you are on Notorious Lift, checking out the Instagram page, and signing up for that newsletter. Also. Make sure to follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You guys, we need those. Those are important for us. Apple Podcasts, five-star rating and leave a review. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights.